0: little bit of paranoia welcome to the iron sysadmin podcast welcome to tonight's episode of the iron sysadmin podcast i'm your host nate and tonight i'm joined by you know one of our usual hosts say hi mark holla Holla. and our special guest tonight josh from papercut say hi josh all right, so you guys might wonder why we have somebody from PaperCut here. That's because we're going to talk about PaperCut, what they do, who they are, all that stuff. Should be fun. At the moment, I'm fixing a frame on Mark's uh, camera I here. I didn't do That's a damn so thing. so much better. No, it's not your fault. Not your fault at all. Blame OBS, or blame something I did before the show started. Um, I'm okay with that. So, yeah. All right, so um, I guess, Josh, if you want to just tell us quick... Who you are, you know, it doesn't have to be on a professional level, personal level if you want. Do you have any social channels or whatever is you want us to follow? And then we'll start talking about Papercut.
1: Who All right, is sure. your daddy and what does he do? You know. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so I, I obviously I work for Papercut. I, I work in Papercut support. Um, so if anyone out there uses Papercut and has issues with it, there's a chance I could be the guy on the end of your ticket. Um, in a, a personal Setting, I play a lot of video games. Um, yeah, yes, my audio is low. We, there's not much we can do about it. I'm as boosted as much as I can. Look at that. Shy already. Of, yeah, <laughs> yep, straight up, shy already of yelling. Um, deal yeah, with
0: we, it. Sorry, I'm working on my light too. <laughs> Something else I forgot to do before the show started. Um, yeah, so we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we had this conversation before we went live, folks. For whatever reason, his audio is low. There's not much we can do about it from here, but I will fix it in post, so the recording should be pretty good to go.
2: Yeah, anyway. yeah it's just um, you poor scrubs on the live stream, get a, uh, a softer me. Um, yeah, in a... a kinder, a, in a,
1: gentler him. Kinder,
2: gentler. <laughs> uh, yeah, in a personal level, I, um, I like to play video games. Um, I'm a bit of an advocate for VR. Um, I actually wrote a blog recently for Papercut on our, uh, on our website about where I see VR and AR augmented reality going in the future That's and how cool. that could play into PaperCut's mm. future. Because um, we have this internal goal of being a 100-year startup, a 100-year company. So I'm just like, how could AR and VR play into that in the year 2121 21, and what, what that might look like?
0: How, um, uh, how far into the uh, 100 years are you? Well, like what we've been around for
2: 21, 22 years or so. We started in the um, late 90s, sort of turn of the millennium, was around where I think we started putting out stuff. So I remember my first year, I started at Papercut in 2018. Okay. Yeah, 2018. And the Christmas party that year was 20s themed because that was the 20th anniversary okay a yeah people in, <laughs> we like, had a roaring uh, 20s thing 20s
0: style <laughs>
2: yeah or... yeah Hi- they hired out a um uh, old-fashioned cinema um if you can't tell my accent i'm in melbourne papercut is a melbourne-based australia-based company so they hired out um an old-fashioned cinema here in melbourne and we just used the lobby and foyer which was that had that aesthetic and we had um you know um, companies come in and run uh, roulette and blackjack tables for us all for play money and whatnot. And yeah, sure. it was, that was, that was really fun. <laughs> that that's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's a a question. And it just vanished from me. <laughs> I,
1: I will say the Australian accent has me completely excited for tomorrow's episode of the bad batch. Because my daughter and I watch that together.
0: I haven't watched it yet. I really need to. Yeah, I I haven't
1: watched it because
2: I know you still need to watch Clone Wars to watch the Bad Batch. And I never got it. I never I missed Clone Wars completely. So I need to, like, work my way through that before I can do Bad Batch.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, around the start of the pandemic, Mark was (laughs) all about this project that him and his daughter started where they were going to watch all. And I do mean all of the Star Wars content from like in whatever chronological order. He had a timeline and The story order. Yeah. The story story order. order. Yeah. Not chronological like release, but story order. Right. So he had this big timeline he was following. How far through that did you get?
1: I am up to Empire Strikes Back. That's the next one on my list.
0: Cool. Cool.
1: I've taken a little bit of a break. I got into a I'm cutting into Josh's time now. I've been in a Marvel (laughs) mood lately uh alligator loki's the best loki right mm. but i've uh, been <laughs> in a marvel <laughs> mood lately so i ended up re-watching in Infi- the uh infinity war and then Endgame. game yep. and then i decided to rewatch the original avengers uh Why and no. now and, and so so now what i'm doing is disney plus they give you this option to watch everything in Timeline order
2: They've got that timeline order, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So,
1: <laughs> so, I, I already, uh, I already banged out uh, Captain America, America's ass. It's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel actually was a, was a lot more enjoyable on the second watch because I saw it once in the theaters, and I, I so, completely, I completely enjoyed the rewatch. That was
0: a good, and, that was a good movie. I love it's a good movie. I love yeah. so it took, it took. Um, Lot of Nick Fury. Well, it took the feel of um, why am I blanking? My brain apparently is not working tonight. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, the movie was Star Lord. Why the hell am I not? Guardians, Guardians, of the of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It took the feel of Guardians of the Galaxy with the old music and moved it ahead a decade, which is the decade I associate with best—the nineties. Right? I love <laughs> oh, yeah. all of the music in that in that movie. It was just such. I, I love and. Wasn't one of the characters wearing a nine inch nail shirt? I was just I'm like jumping well, yeah. up in the living room like, I feel yeah. like She was at one point.
1: <laughs> she she was wearing it when she was yeah. undercover as a shield agent. That's right. When yeah. when she and Nick Fury were, right. were that was looking awesome. through the archives. That was awesome. Yeah, no, it it, it definitely <laughs> And what's really cool. And, and I'm sorry, Josh. I'll let you get back. Yeah, to talk we'll about talk paper about Marvel. I'm happy to talk about Marvel. I love the MCU. <laughs> What's really cool is having watched, having watched Loki, having watched uh, WandaVision, and and that stuff. It's really cool seeing all the callbacks that that now you're like, oh right, I remember that, and oh wow, that crap all made a lot of sense. It's it's. Someone they they've they must have a bunch of interns or even regular employees just keeping track of continuity and stuff because oh, 100 percent
2: they would actually um, I would I vo- trying to avoid spoilers because I know Loki is relatively new. I saw a, a quote recently from Kevin Feige, the guy who heads up basically everything to do with the MCU from a, uh, a big meeting they had recently with basically every writer for Marvel um that that's around and basically what the end of loki means for them and how they need to like the mechanics of that and that going forward because what happens at the end of loki is going to affect every mcu thing from here till oh hells yeah (laughs) Yeah, i'm I'm (laughs) really bad at
0: at all of these because i haven't caught up on that either i mean that's only a couple weeks out now isn't it
1: Loki? Loki. For season one of Loki is done. But I mean, yeah. it's, only, it's ne- only been
0: out a couple of weeks is what I mean. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, uh,
1: it was like either six or eight episodes. Yeah. Six. Six. Thank you. And then uh, this August, we've got the animated, the first Marvel animated uh, series, What If? Yeah. And they're going to have a lot <laughs> of fun with that. The right. trailer for What If? is amazing. So- all right, but so, so so what is paper PaperCut? Yeah, let's talk about yeah. PaperCut. What's PaperCut? Can you can you
0: give us a high level like wh- who is PaperCut as a company? I guess yep. um, do you have just the one product that that I, we talked about that I'm aware of? or Do you have several? You know, it's like okay, what's, it, so, what's it look like?
2: Yeah, so at a high level, PaperCut we are a, a print management software company. Um, I know, hold your applause, nice and glamorous. Um, <laughs>
0: I do have a uh,
2: there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so that that's the crux of what we do. We do have a few different pieces of software, some paid, some free, um, that all have their own niche, um, so so to speak. So our two main ones, our, our most legacy sort of products that are, are going around, are PaperCut NG and PaperCut MF. Um, now MF is probably the one most people would be familiar with or think of when they think of PaperCut. It's our it's our bread and butter essentially. NG is essentially exactly the same as MF, but with slightly removed functionality, there's no um, embedded software on devices. So with MF, you can actually install um, an application on your printer that, that allows people to walk up and see a PaperCut um, branded interface and log into it and hmm. interact with PaperCut from the device itself. Um, NG doesn't have that part of it, but it has everything else, which we can talk about more server-side stuff. Um, other, other pieces of software we have include hmm. our free... Um, our free tool, which has been picking up a lot of steam since um, Google Cloud Print shut down, Mobility Print. It's our it's our alternative to it in the wake of Google Cloud Print shutting down.
0: Wait, Google um, shut down a service? Yeah, I know or it's weird. Try. You never. I know they don't they don't do that
2: very often. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they this was a, a feature that Google were working on that never actually officially left beta. Um, but it allowed printers to be printed to remotely via the internet um, without actually having to install anything on on your computer. Um, And Mobility Print is this tool that we already had to allow mobile devices to quickly be able to get into your print system and print from your iPhone or Android or BYOD device, so to speak, without needing to go to the specifics of installing printers and drivers onto the the computer. Um, We put a big update on that to allow it to be able to print over the internet, um, securely back into your network as, um, as Google were getting ready to pull this service. So this is a free tool, but it does integrate in with MFNNG for more advanced tracking um, and bits and pieces in that respect, but mobility print, totally free. If anyone is looking for something to help um, help them since GCP shut down, have a look at papercut mobility print. Doesn't cost you a cent and it might it might fill a gap that you have.
1: Hopefully this doesn't get you in trouble, but papercut MF sounds like a something that you'd have Samuel L. Jackson as the spokesperson <laughs> for. <laughs> Haven't heard that one. That's good. That's Why good. <laughs> are there so many MF
0: and printers <laughs> on this MF <laughs> and plane? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and we have two other pieces of software. It's probably worth me talking about. These are our newest, um, newest pieces of software: PaperCut Pocket and PaperCut Hive. These are our cloud-based offerings for um, for uh, print management. They are they are new. They are actively being worked on. Actively having features built and developed for them. Um, and similar with Pocket and Hive, Hive has bits that can be installed directly on the printers to have that interface where pocket is the paired back version that doesn't have that, but still has all the background functionality of it. Um, but yeah, the, we can, we can talk more about that if you want, but these are our um, our newest offerings that for potentially smaller environments that maybe don't have a print server. Okay. Um, yeah, something like pocket or, or hive paper cut pocket paper cut hive, uh, would be something potentially worth looking into. Um, yeah, as as that that's our suite, and I'm happy to dive into any questions sort of about all of these these tools that so around. So this is
0: <laughs> this is, I mean, at least we hope anyway, a show for system administrators, right? So they mm-hmm. they're probably wondering uh, what sort of infrastructure is re- required, right? Bare minimum to run mm. PaperCut, and it sounds like it there's quite the gamut here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We're so we do our best to sort of work in sort of any environment that you might have thinking of um, something like MFL, our our mainstay that most people would be familiar with, the basic setup, and this is by no means the required or or anything, this is just your bog standard, say like a a small business or a school where you just have like a print server um, and everyone prints to that print server and then that print server obviously delegates the jobs out to the printers, that server is where you would install Papercut for the most part. Um, where it can then monitor your print queues and the jobs coming in and analyse them, figure out who they belong to, how many pages they are, whether it's colour or black and white, simplex or duplex, all that sort of fancy stuff. And if it's, say, something like a school, um, you can set up costing models on that. So students will be charged for the jobs that they print or maybe they've got a, a... a monthly allowance or an allowance per semester that can be used up and then they could potentially pay to have more credit. If you choose to do it that way, that's, that's the thing with paper cut. It's so customizable. Um, I sometimes see some complaints online on Twitter or whatnot from end users who complain about paper cut, but most of the time they don't necessarily realize that that's just, not necessarily a fault of PaperCut, but it just hasn't been configured the best way for them. Yeah. It's the way it, admin set it, it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, the server software for PaperCut MF runs on windows, Mac Linux. So you're sort of gambit of, of soft, uh, server OSs and, um, yeah, as far as clients go, um, right. yeah, as far as like user clients, sometimes it, it, you don't need to install anything on a user machine. So as long as it can print via the print server in that circumstance, that they're, they're going to be able to print just fine. Um, yeah. So,
0: um, all right. So say I'm in an environment, right? I've got, mm-hmm. I don't know, either windows or a Linux box, right? That I have all yeah. my, that I have my printers connected to, whether they're over the sure. network or they're physically plugged into the thing. Um, I'm mm-hmm. probably just using like the Windows print spooler to do my print job management, or I'm using cups on a on a Linux box, uh, and that's all working, right? So why mm-hmm. why would I consider PaperCut as an alternative I, to just the yeah. Dirt Simple, whatever's included with my OS?
2: Yeah, sure. So it, it's we don't necessarily replace any of that; we sit on top of it and work alongside it. Um, the whole reason that PaperCut was started 20 years ago by our, our founders was they worked in um, education, so we have that that's our, that's where we got our start in um, education and the needs of education, and um, they were. Um, uh, admins at a at a school, and they were noticing just so much paper wastage. Um, students <laughs> would print stuff, forget to go and collect it, reprint it, and it nice was just because you hit print, and it just comes out of the printer. Yep. So that that was our main Which printer. I
0: don't know that one down the hall. It, maybe? Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that 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 you hint at one of our main um, features that we call find me printing. So as far as the users concerned, they hit print, and they if you've set it up right, one printer is on their machine. Call it the paper cup printer or whatever. And you print to that printer and then PaperCut does the magic of holding that job in that print queue and waiting for you to tell it which printer you want it to print out of. And that's where our um, embedded software on the device has come into play. You walk up to that device, you badge in with your swipe card or an ID or username, password, whatever, log into the device and you tell it, hey, this is the printer I'm at. Uh, and then the server will redirect that queue into the print queue redirect that job into the print queue for that printer and it will spit out whilst you're standing at the printer um, uh, hold hold release find me printing and that that's one of the main things that it was developed for in the first place to avoid that paper wastage right um, we've had um, um I've seen anecdotes from schools that in the first year of implementing paper cut have saved the cost of the license in in toner well, and mean, paper
0: wastage look, it's you're <laughs> uh, we we talked a little bit before the show went live i used to work in higher ed now i wasn't the guy managing labs and managing printers but you know i worked with those guys so i heard some of the stories and they before the, we had actually deployed paper cut at one point but before that I think the straw that broke the camel's back was like a student had purchased an ebook of like their biology textbook or something. <laughs> and they're just yeah. like, well, I want to go back to my dorm and read this, or I want to sit out on the quad and read this. So I'm just going to print all these chapters that I need to read. And, you know, out came a ream of paper mm. uh, of whatever textbook. And the librarians are like, we can't, we can't keep, <laughs> we can't afford to keep paper yeah. in the printers if the kids are doing this. So Exactly.
2: So that that's where we come into play. So you could, uh, depending on how you configure PaperCut, totally allow that job to go through, but the student's getting slogged per page. Or right. you could have um, restrictions in place that block jobs over a certain amount of pages. Like you can put all that stuff in place to make sure that people are only printing the sort of stuff you want them to print or, yeah. and then, or charge them.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you could theoretically turn that into chargebacks too, right? I, exactly, I think they, 100%, yeah. They used it as a way to limit print jobs, I think. They did not mm. use it to enforce chargebacks i think students had quotas but there wasn't like a charge involved so and yeah of course yes. they all complained and then they went and got mommy and daddy to complain and uh, it's a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad i don't work that's, that's the
2: side guys. of things i'm lucky i don't ever have to really <laughs> deal with <laughs> yeah um yeah. but yeah uh, other other types of organizations use paper cut as well stuff like um lawyers or accountants where they're printing on behalf of clients so we have um in, in the software, there's a feature called shared accounts. So these could be set for multiple different things in an education space. Maybe each department, say like the, the science mm-hmm. or maths or English departments, you can have shared accounts set up for them and those accounts have a budget. So when a maths teacher prints, they can choose to have that come out of the maths shared account that maybe they have, you know, $200 a month sure. for or, or yeah. But in law, in like a legal or accounting space, Um, they set those shared accounts up per client. So they – so every client has a shared account. So as a way of having any user, any lawyer or accountant need to do printing on behalf of one of their clients, they should choose that client shared account and the client can then give them money to top that up. Or Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Get Because for what a lawyer charges,
0: they can't be printing stuff for free. Mm -hmm. I mean –
2: they're, exactly. are public so, servants, yeah. after all <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah that that sort of functionality is um is addressed as well in um in in papercut um yeah uh and a lot of the ways that uh you may be selecting these accounts or or whatnot is through the papercut user client so this is a piece of software that you would install on user machines um There's multiple different ways to deploy it via a local cache or MSI or or pushed out versus whatever um, management that you've got. Uh, This, I believe, is only for Windows and Mac, but it's a little tool that runs in the background, and it basically is a listener for messages from the server. So if you print a job and the server needs information from you about that job, whether it's what shared account do you want to charge to, or you've got a pop-up saying, You know, if every time a print job that's over ten pages comes through and it's in color, ask the user if they want to print it in black and white. It's the client that that would receive and display that message, and then the the user would say, actually, yeah, I don't need this in color. Convert it to black and white for me, and they would just click the corresponding answer, and then the server would obviously receive that and um, transform the job into into black and white, or or charge it to whatever account the user selected. that, yeah so that that functionality is is
0: there too. It's interesting that it can that it can sort of intercept the job like that. So yeah,
2: we can do all sorts of of transforms on the job, convert to black and white, um change it from simplex to duplex, um potentially even this work things get a bit harder but uh I'm not sure how well you know uh printer languages PDL stuff like PostScript and, and PCL6 and whatnot. There can be a bit of Stuff that goes wrong when you try to convert from one language to the other, um, mm-hmm. as I'm sure whenever you type something into Google Translate, it doesn't quite come out rightly on the other side. <laughs> Same sort of thing can happen um, when converting PDLS. Um, yes, with this uh, full job, yeah,
0: I've seen those things but, happen.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so we can do do transforms, watermarking as well um, can be applied to to jobs, so you know who's printed it physically on the paper, if if
0: that is is if that is something you need. Good stuff, good stuff. So mm. you, um, I, my brain keeps going to the technical aspect of mm-hmm. how this all works. So Yeah, sure, I can talk you, about that. You said it runs kind of alongside whatever print queue you are already running, whether that's CUPS or, or the Windows Print spooler or whatever. It, does yeah, it, is it yeah. actually a, like a shim that's in front of it, or it really does just read jobs that come into the queue and utilize uh, so, whatever tools to communicate with that queue?
2: Sure, sure. So I am mainly a windows guy i know more about the windows side of things than the cup so I'll, I'll talk more to that sure um on um on windows when you install it on the print server uh there are two basic services that run in the background to have the paper cut server work um there's the paper cut application server service and that's all the front end stuff the admin ui and all the configuration is done in browser so that's that application server service hosts that um, that web client and does all the front end stuff and computational power of of um, you know charging users for jobs through to the either internal or external database. You could have your um, paper cut database run in um, any number of external database suites that you've got and hook it in, or we do ship with a Derby database inbuilt. Pardon me, um, but the the magic, the, what I call the magic of PaperCut, is the other service that makes it work, which is the print provider service. So this this one, the basic way it works: when a print job hits a print queue on the server that the print provider is installed on, the first thing the print provider does is pause that job at a queue okay. level. It can then it then reads through the spool file and the metadata around it to figure out the language that that print uh, job was printed in, um, like. PDL, the printer description language, um, the user it belongs to, how many pages, whether it's color or black and white, all that sort of stuff, and report that back to the application server to then do whatever it needs to do. If the job is in a queue that has been told to hold it, it will then remain paused. But if it if it's told to just not hold it and print it straight out again, as soon as the analysis is done, the print provider will unpause the job and it will just come out of the printer like normal. You'll barely even notice a delay. It happens quite quickly. Um but yeah if it is in a hold release job a hold release queue so to speak it will um it will remain paused until the user tells the job to unpause but uh, that that's how it does it it basically pauses the job at a at a queue level and i'm pretty sure it's similar in cups as well where it yeah just and then
0: i assume it's it's able to rewrite certain aspects of that job you said it can convert a color print to a black and white print or it can add a watermark or whatever
2: yeah, yeah. So it would it would generate a new spool file um, using uh, the the language of the queue that it's been told to go into, and remove the original. But PaperCut would know that this new spool file is the new version of the old one, and and keep it all linked up as one job in PaperCut's system. But you might see an extra. You might if you were physically watching the queue at a, at an OS level or or in the um in the spool folder. In the, on the server, you might see some um, extra small files pop in and out as that as that happens, but hmm. PaperCut keeps that all tracked and linked up. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, does uh, does PaperCut have any interesting sort of integrations with any other big uh, big app? I mean, I, I'm, I'm this is a completely open question. I don't even have an idea <laughs> in sure. mind of what it might be. Yeah. But <laughs> right. yeah, sure.
2: On, on our on our website, we have a whole a whole list of integrations that we've got. The main mm-hmm. ones. That people use most are payment gateways. As I mentioned, you, you have you can choose to have your users be charged for their uh-huh. for their printing, and you can automatically allocate them a, a balance or quote or whatever whatever you want to call it on a scheduled basis or or ad hoc. Um, but you can also link it up to a payment gateway mm-hmm. like PayPal or, or whatever. We've got quite a few there that have been developed, so they could actually you could actually charge via via credit that like way per
0: sheet or something to, if you wanted to right
2: <laughs> yeah yeah per sheet or page or, or whatnot but you could have like as a student's balance gets low you could notify them and then they could log into um the the user facing uh web page and update their balance by a ten dollar charge to via paypal or whatnot right. and then right the app server Receives from PayPal that a ten dollars charge has gone through and updates the user's balance by ten dollars. So the next um, time Johnny
0: tries to print his biology book, he gets yeah a he's for actually it. <laughs> he's a, yeah he's actually paying yeah, real yeah. money
2: yeah. Um, but there's um there's a plethora of them as well as stuff like um that might Amazon's still be cheaper looking... than buying a biology book though. <laughs> exactly. Um, account accounting integrations most with, uh, various accounting softwares. Um, I know there's. Uh, uh, like Leap Cloud um, and QuickBooks and stuff like that. I know Myob's in there. Um, I'm not sure how big Myob is in the US, but I know it's a relatively big one out here in Australia. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of um, integrations that are either that are mostly developed by our our partners. Um, I should probably talk a little bit about our channel, which is which is sort of the magic of of how PaperCut gets out to. To people to buy it, I okay. mentioned that we have for both of our big ones, PaperCut MF and PaperCut Hive. There's the paired back ones, PaperCut NG and PaperCut Pocket, that don't have the device integrations. Those ones without the device integrations, you can purchase directly from us. You can log onto the website and say, "I want to, I want to trial Hive. We have a 40 day free tri- uh, trial Pocket, so to speak, or, or NG, 40 day free trials." You Go onto the website, you download them, you set up, you, you go sort of self serve that way. For PaperCut MF and PaperCut Hive, since their big thing is the device integrations, we don't actually sell them directly from from us. You have to go through our our, our reseller chain, our reseller channel, because because they're so device specific. So most of the time, if you've got um a, the company that actually sold or leased you your devices. They're the people who would actually sell you and and help you set up uh, PaperCut in the first place, hmm. um, and make sure that it gets installed on your devices. Because installing an uh, embedded application onto a printer is not the same as downloading an app off your off your Android or iOS no, phone. I would it's imagine. So mm. there are so many more steps, and the manuals to to do it are so complex. We do not expect um Site admins to know how to do I, that. That's where I would imagine that printer, on now. Yeah. printer
0: vendors probably don't want the end users doing that anyway, or maybe not exactly. the end user, but even the administrators, right? Because there's so yeah. much that can yeah. go wrong there. You're writing firmware, it,
2: right? It, it, exactly. Um, Exactly. So um, in the US, uh, it's actually done through the Authorized Solutions Center. So our two big ones in the US are companies uh, EcoPrintQ and ACDI. Um, they're our biggest partners um, in the US. And they've got all like the resellers uh, that sit below them, whether they're OEMs or just printer copier shops that you might so have down the street.
0: Yeah. As, as an enterprise or whatever, you would go to them and say, I need 200 printers. And by the way, throw in some paper cut. Right. Yeah. So you would, you would
2: you would go you would go to the copy a company yeah. um, and, and and that and then for the paper cut side of things they would then liaise with right. the ASC, whether it's A C D I or Eco Print And then I believe in um, in the US uh, it's then A C D I or Eco Print that would actually help set up paper cut itself they'd remote into your site and um and help actually get it all configured and working properly where in other parts of the world we um we have the resellers themselves do that do that setup it's just a bit different in America
0: cool cool so um, there's only one question left on my list and you know which one it is <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you're, you feel free to, uh, you know, reference the, the website or whatever you have to do. But I yeah, have to yeah. ask, because this is Iron System, yeah, and we, we always course, have, course. have <laughs> a tilt towards security with just about everything yeah. we look at. No, that's, that's fine. There been and- lots of stories about printer security this and printer security that. Um, high level, does does PaperCut do anything to just improve overall printer fleet security?
2: Yeah, so as, as I mentioned, um, PaperCut was started by... Uh, Started in the education space um, with with that as a focus, so that means that we sort of had to be a bit security focused because kids can be kids and kids like yeah. to hack. Oh yeah. Um, so I mentioned one of our um, big features earlier, the hold release and find me printing. Um, that, that that in itself is a security feature, a secure print release because. When you hit print on your computer, the job doesn't just come out of the printer straight away whether that's the other side of the campus or down the hall or on a different floor. You have if it's set up this way, you have to be at the printer to release it, which means if you're printing sensitive documents, oh, someone right. isn't going to necessarily walk past the printer yeah, and pick I'm, up your documents. You're out you're my right tax
0: there or something,
1: right? Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was it. when I worked in the office, that was a thing. Yeah. Mm. Cuz I was I was at Merck the Merck world headquarters from 2004 until I went pretty much full remote. So I was, the, and that was a couple of years and yeah, you'd occasionally, have, it was pretty amusing the stuff you'd find on a printer. Yeah. Like <laughs> was this person thinking straight?
0: Yeah. Why did you print I it? Sh- so I shouldn't be looking at this. Yeah. Right. Why did you leave it on the printer too? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um,
2: yeah. And, uh, amongst other things as well, um, the users in PaperCut they come from a, normally a, a, a sync source. They're not necessarily all internal users, so we like obviously integrate in with Active Directory and things like that. And the um, the user groups that you may have people categorized in your in your user directory can get pulled in, and then you can apply different access level based on user group. So in we go back to our school situation, staff and teachers can have different access level and different security permissions than students. Um, on the devices, or even from a server level, and even even admins inside PaperCut, you can—it's so granular—you can choose who has access to what. Say you've got the office, the the person who works in the office out the front, and students can walk up to them to hand over money to physically top up a balance. That way, you only want that person to have access to be able to do that, not to can change all your configuration. So you just give them. Yeah. Um, admin privileges to adjust user balances and get access into that part of the software versus the, the site sysadmin who maybe has full access to everything.
1: All um, sorts of back stuff. Yeah. So mm. John, the nice guy is asking, uh, what do you use to release the print? That was wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as I say, there are multiple different ways and depending on the software you're using, um, as well. So, cut MF, I'll I'll talk about that as the standard because that is and the I one st- that most And I still use. have yeah. Samuel <coughs> Jackson
1: glaring over my shoulder at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Um, yeah, so that that is released normally from the device itself. So you walk up to the device, it's got a, a logon screen on it. That's that's being displayed to you presented via via paper cut whether whether that's branded as paper cut or um rebranded to look nice to suit your school or university or workplace we have um rebranding options in there and then they can just uh if you've got uh an nfc reader on there and you've got um security badges you just badge in with your with your card or so a pin number or NFC a username and password yeah um <laughs> yeah a lot of sites do have that because they've got you know every yeah. staff badge, member has yeah. a card to yeah, exactly. So you can get readers for your printers as well, and you can link up the card numbers to the users in PaperCut, so they just tap their card, log into the device, and from there they're presented with. Um, uh, de- again, depending on how you have it configured, you could have it configured that as soon as somebody logs into the device, any, every print job that they've got waiting for them prints out straight away, or they, or you can have it that they go into a another screen and they can see all their print jobs and choose which ones they want to release or delete from the from the screen there um
1: what if now what if there are printers and maybe i'm dating myself mm-hmm. but what if there's printers that don't have like a screen and a keyboard sure. or anything
2: like no, that No, that, that's fine there, there are plenty um that are like that we have um uh, release station software so this is this started from before there was the ability to install apps on printers so you had to have that so you could have an old um computer or raspberry pi device that basically acts as the screen for your um for your printer, so mm. a little terminal that sits next to the next to the printer that someone logs into that and tells it to release. And PaperCut knows that that release station belongs to that printer, so when they release from that release station, the job comes out of the printer that's next to it. Um, there's also the mobile release option. Um, if your mobile device is on the same network as your as your printer, you can um, put QR codes on the on the printers, and people can scan those QR codes or, or log in on on a, on a on a browser on their phone and, and tell it which printer to log out of. That, though, leads into our cloud-based offerings that I mentioned, PaperCut Pocket and PaperCut Hive. That is sort of, with Pocket, the only way to do it. We have an app that sits on your phone. So when you print with PaperCut Pocket, you get a notification on your phone saying your job is ready to release. And you can go into the app and tell it to which printer you want to to release out of, or you could have an NFC uh an NFC sticker or a QR code at the printer so you just tap your phone at the printer or scan the QR code at the printer and you control it all through the um through your mobile device um contact quite contactless that way as well in um if you think of the global situation how much I think it's uh getting better over there but over over here in Australia it's um starting to pick up again um uh but with Papercut Hive you have that app but you also have the um the device screen as well to do similar stuff like in mf um yeah
1: sweet so uh jscar is asking do you do you have to be internet connected or does this work in a disconnected network yep. like and i guess there might yep. be products that need the internet but yeah. yeah so papercut uh
2: ng and papercut mf you do not need to be internet interconnect, internet connected at all it is all locally run um, you can host your mf server in the in a private cloud if you wish to but obviously you need a connection to it then um but yeah it is all it is all run locally and normally managed on-prem by by the site um you can link up multiple sites there's something i forgot to mention we have um site server um software so you could have two branches that all run off the same paper cut installation one branch maybe has the um has the main paper cut server, and the secondary branch just has a site server, which talks back over maybe a, a WAN or a, or a VPN back to the main server. It does still need to be um, on the same network. That that doesn't necessarily go over the internet unless you do some weird hacky stuff to make that work. Um, and then people printing it at the second site, it's all still logged and reported in the main companies. Um,
1: so sit- I'm gonna setup. ask what might be a crazy question. Go ahead. <laughs> is there any, is it a legitimate use case to set this up in your home if you have a single printer? And I'm only thinking that because, like, I have four kids. Now, not all of them still live uh-huh. at home. And then my wife and my daughter are here. They have their MacBooks. And there's many, there's multiple different PCs. Is is this, would this be worth setting up in your house just even if you have a single how printer how
2: kids are printing? Right.
1: Or, or just would it make it easier like presenting like presenting the generic yeah, print you, queue to like all the a, devices do you have like a paper like, cut sel- home edition, yeah, like s- well <laughs> well well it would be ng yeah. like like so, like to use but okay let me ask you this do you have paper cuts set up in your house
2: I don't. I don't even have a printer um,
1: personally. <laughs> I mean, I I don't like I don't having a printer, you. but um, but you sometimes sometimes like especially my wife likes printing out financial based stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and then she she for years, although she's stepping down because <clears> my son aged out. She was the troop treasurer, so she'd need to print stuff out for the scout stuff for, for yeah, the treasurer. Sure. But I'm just wondering, is home overkill, or well, are, like
2: it, do people it can be, but up in a situation off? like yours, where you have a, a few kids and you want to make, you know, make sure that you know the kids aren't printing too much and all that sort of stuff, you could set it up. You obviously need the right infrastructure for um, something like you would go NG, the the self serve one, because you wouldn't necessarily need the the software on the on the device itself. And most home printers, you wouldn't be able they wouldn't be compatible with the embedded right. software anyway. Sure. And NG is actually free if you've got five or less users. Oh. Um, after your 40-day trial, it will just continue continue to run. Um, if you've got more than five users, that's where it will um, then tell you you need to purchase a license. But under five, you're you you're good to give it a bell. Is that
1: five users or five devices? Users. Um,
2: so in PaperCut itself, um, it, it tracks your users there, whether they are – as I say, brought in from a sync source. So like I, I would
1: be Uncle Mark, even if I had it set up on my cell phone, on my mobile, yeah. Yeah, on yeah, my yeah. Linux machine, on my Windows machine. Correct. Yes,
2: it's a, you are you are the user. Um, so you can have five users in in in. Basically, it's five users active in the PaperCut database. Um, okay. There's there's. It's so hard t- it's hard to say without showing you, but there's a users tab, and you can see um, your users. I, can, I sure. can
1: picture a user tab. Yep. And yeah. since my since my dogs don't have opposable thumbs, nor are they literate, they would not have to and count. They don't need the to print that. Dogs. Correct. Yes. Yeah. They might, exactly. they might print out pictures of squirrels or something. You never know. <laughs> they might. They might. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be ridiculous because no. our, we have a lot of listeners who. Like they set up, uh, like I, I mean, I actually I've got a Rel 8 server sitting over here yeah. Mm. Yeah, that is running multiple virtual machines. May very you know? well have
0: enterprise class hardware and software in their homes. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah. it does.
1: It, it it's my primary DNS server, and mm-hmm. and my second my failback DNS server is my router. You know, I've got the Synology serving NAS and stuff. I know we have folks who've set up like you know, uh, who they set up their Plex servers. They mm-hmm. they they run gaming servers. I mean, Mark yeah.
0: Mark used to have a Red Hat virtualization cluster literally under his desk. So you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah. so un- asking un- a, asking mm-hmm. a question like that for the for the for my peer group, my mm-hmm. my friend, my fellow Red hatters. And some of our listeners, it's not as crazy as you might think.
2: No, no, it's it's totally fine. Um, The Mm. only problems you might run into is the the analysis capabilities of the print jobs you've got coming through. Because a lot of home printers, your basic ones that you're picking up from-
1: Your basic! uh,
2: (laughs) Your basic ones that you're printing up from- I don't know where. the good place, like, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> Walmart or whatever. I'm I'm not sure U.S. stores. I'd say Office Works here in Australia. Um, the ones that you're spending more on ink than you are on on the oh, printer right. itself. Um, yeah, I got an old
1: HP monochrome laser.
2: they drivers that they use. They can be a bit finicky right, for us Samsung. to in, and that's ca- for us to interpret and um and work with because they don't necessarily use the more industry-based languages that um that your bigger proper copier um multifunction
0: devices yeah, i mean any would so would you any, w- printer, w- any printer with a driver that's more than a meg or two makes you wonder really what's going on in there
1: <laughs> so would the, Austra- would the australian term for that be it's shite or is that a different uh, region <laughs> not necessarily they're not they're not necessarily bad they're just they yeah. it should
2: still work it's Just you may not get the necessary correct level of analysis from their
0: economy from them is what we're it's, it's about. sort of it's <laughs> sort of uh
2: your mileage may vary sort of situation right. of course right. um
0: right. yeah so um, i i had one kind of follow-up question to the security discussion and this just yeah? popped into my head as we were talking about printing out tax forms and whatever mm-hmm. um and if this isn't a feature of PaperCut, you know, write it down. Maybe it'd be the next thing. Um, <laughs> I know there's there's lots of things, lots of software, security software, that's meant to prevent the exfiltration of private data by identifying BII, like social security numbers and whatever, and preventing that from moving. Like... You, know, you could have a filter on your outgoing mail server that says, if there's a social security number in this, don't let it go, because we that's against our policy. Let is it there, go. Is there, can let papercut it go. Do, yeah, yeah I, I started it. Yeah. <laughs> Does Papercut have anything like that? that could Not be?
2: really, no. You could do it potentially based off job name, but that's obviously easily changed by a user, yeah. um, because that, that's easy for us to interpret. The name of this job sure. includes the words, tax file number, don't let it print out. Um, but actual content analysis and and denying of job based on that isn't something we do um there are probably third party softwares that you could have in place to intercept the job potentially before it reaches us um Mm -hmm. to do something like that but it's it's not uh that's that's not a feature of paper
1: cutting it's just using your brain that's fair yeah
2: it's it's yeah um don't print
1: that
0: Well, no, right. So only
1: print it if you mean it. In in the
0: case, like in the world of, I was an email administrator for years. In the case of email, Mm -hmm. right, it's it's um, you know somebody that really doesn't. It's meant to prevent accidents. It's meant to present the Mm. prevent the accidental. I just sent all of our students' social security numbers to an external email address in the clear because that's how email by default works right? That anybody could then intercept that and then scrape all the data out of it, right? So in the case of a printer, it's not quite as public, right? I mean, sure. Yeah, could exactly. Grab it over the wire or they could grab it off the printer, but with your hold and release, right? That would certainly help. Prevent exactly. That. Exactly. So, yeah.
2: That, that's, that's where this, yeah. The secure print release side yeah comes into yeah. things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's sort of it. The only thing I haven't really touched on is the infrastructure of of Papercut Pocket and Papercut Hive, because as I mentioned, they don't require a, an on-premises print server and they are more cloud-based. They use um, uh, edge mesh and edge node technology um, is the is the main concept there. So every user in your network basically runs um, a, a node to help build out the strength of the mesh. So the jobs are... Are routed to printers via via user machines. Essentially, you That's could have um, you could have say like the receptionist's PC or a, or a computer that you have doing something else that is always on. So you maybe install the node software on that and promote that to to super node status to let um, the the software know that hey, this is a really reliable node. Give that one preference, sort of thing. Um, and, and the cloud side of it comes in because that's where all the computing itself is done. But no jobs leave the network. Everything stays on premises. It's just metadata um, about the job for analysis purposes and telling it where to go that is communicated up and down from the cloud. Um, but it's all done still still very locally. Uh, yeah, that that's the main concept of that one. So as users come in and out of the office with their laptops, uh, that, that strengthens, strengthens the mesh cool. uh, to, to keep it all quite resilient there. And again, that has the ability for printing off the network. Say someone is taking their laptop down the street to a cafe for lunch and is working on a, a Google Doc or whatever down there and needs and wants to print it while they're out, that can still print out um, via, via a cloud connector back into the mesh. Um, in case, yeah. in that case, obviously the job will go over the internet because they're they're on the cafe's Wi-Fi or tethered via their phone. But once right. it's back in the mesh, yeah, it does. It doesn't stay in the cloud. It's purely there to, to hop the jump back into the back into the local network.
0: Okay, so it leverages the, office, the cloud yeah. to get back to where the printer is. That's that's kind of cool. yeah yeah yeah. I don't know what and, you know if I'm like working from home and I print something in the office that's thirty miles away. That doesn't sound all that helpful. <laughs> yeah, well, but, some people because uh, like yeah, they work from home. Lunch, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're they they hit a phone or something like that. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. You hit print, and then um, because this is the one that uses the app. So when you get back into the office, we're working on this feature to send you a notification reminder, like, "Hey, you've got this job queued up to print. Do you actually want to print it?" <sighs> when it when it notices you're back yeah. in the office, there or um, or like the the four thirty p.m. notification, like, "Hey, your workday's ending soon. You've still got a few jobs that you're you sure haven't printed out yet. Yeah, sure you want you want to keep these? Exactly, yeah." <laughs> Um, so that, 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 sort of stuff in, um, paper cut pocket, paper cut hive. Cool. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, this has been a fun conversation. Mark, you have any, any <laughs> final, uh, final questions before we, we move along?
1: No, I, like I said, I'm not a big fan of printers, but I did check out paper cuts website earlier in the call. And, uh, this is actually, it, 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 it looked pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Very, uh, perso- yeah, was, again, someone who's not a fan of printers and they were my least favorite thing to fix when I was in desk side support
2: back <laughs> we, at Merck. We try to make that uh, side of things better by hoping that you don't need to fix them as often, at yeah. least from a software side. Nah, if the printer physically right. malfunctions, mm. that's not necessarily something we can well, help then, with. That's but, when
0: you hit it with a baseball yeah. bat and you move on. Exactly, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Office
0: space, <laughs> that thing.
1: But uh, no, uh, pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah. I. I really um, – I like the print it, send it anywhere, and then go to the closest printer. That That's kind of cool. Yeah. Because that was irritating at Merck. There mm. were so many printers with weird-ass names. Oh, right. Yeah, it's you like, don't know which one
2: Yeah. Where did it that, where that, to go? That functionality is the core functionality of PaperCut Pocket and PaperCut Hive, I should mention. Um, when, when a user gets set up in, in those suites, they – they get an email from the admin that sent via PaperCut saying, "Hey, you've been invited to to set up printing." They um, click through some things. They never have to sign in because they it's all token based. They've received the email and that email has a unique link, so it knows that they're that user. They click a download, it installs the um, the the PaperCut printer onto their computer, and that's the one printer they'll ever print to. And then it's all inherently um, that find me. Uh, functionality. You pin- print to the paper cup printer, then you go to the printer you want it to physically come out of.
1: Um, yeah, your in your instinct says it's an extra step, but it's actually glorious. Yeah,
2: yeah, because what happens if you print to the printer you thought you wanted to print to, only to go to it to realize that it's um, out of paper or it's got a jam, and now you have to go back to your computer jam and reprint the job.
1: Print jam yeah, jam on, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. Yeah. I never, I never want to work in an office again. So I probably won't have the uh, privilege of using PaperCut. But best of luck to you guys. No,
0: you're gonna to totally deploy it at home now, so you can print from your I, yeah. dogs
1: can print. I, uh,
0: yeah, I look
2: pictures. forward to, to hearing your. Uh, I I might. I'm might. <laughs> No promises
1: there, Just have a but play it's, it's intriguing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I. I've I've got. A bit of a list of stuff i want to play around with before maybe this. Uh,
0: maybe you could get your your valheim server to interact with paper cut to submit print jobs whenever um i don't know whenever something someone gets killed by something you just print happens. out
1: <laughs> print out a <laughs> eek whenever i spot a troll yes, it just sends an eek the to the scream. printer <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah the troll noise <laughs> all
2: right uh, josh um i did dabble with it when it first launched um i struggle to keep up with those games purely because uh with with my uh, with my babies i just don't have a lot of time to do the social gaming that i would like so my gaming times Mm. these days are more i want to play this game because it's the game i want to play it's the story i'm playing through it's it's whatever gotcha what's your current
1: what's your current game your favorite right now Oh, it's so hard. So I've been dabbling in I've
2: been hard. jumping back into VR recently. I've actually I finally got around to watching Queen's Gambit, so I've been trying my hand at chess. There's a really good um a really good chess game in in the Oculus Quest called uh, Chess Club, um which sounds really bad, but it's got hand tracking, so you don't need to use controllers. So you just nice. can pick up the piece and move it. That's going to be one of the boards is fully animated like something out of Harry Potter. You move your pawn and it walks up and farts in the enemy's face before taking it. It's battle chess. It's <laughs> totally battle that chess. That is – that's spectacular. Mark, you must Gambit, remember battle so chess.
1: I, I played battle chess on the Apple too. <laughs>
2: Um, that's pretty cool but yeah otherwise i think i, I
1: played it yeah. I, you could play it on the apple II, right or was it piece I, I
0: played it on pc apple before time my I time it. it was it was a, a dos based uh, game when i played i don't it.
1: want to be a, i don't want to be a liar but maybe maybe it didn't come out on the apple well this II. this Battle, <laughs> was this jazz. was
0: definitely graphics that the apple twos i'm aware of were not capable of
1: oh yeah no it could play on the apple i did play it on the apple II. okay you could cool the Apple II could do some pretty baller graphics, dude. It, it could be slamming.
0: I, I have very little exposure to the Apple II, sorry.
1: Yeah, here's here's the YouTube video. Oh, great. I'm gonna drop, I'm gonna drop it in the Twitch chat. <laughs>
0: so yeah, check out Battle Chess. I'm sure it's identical to what you're describing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, I did have it on PC, though. I did have Battle Chess on PC, but I'm pretty sure I did play it first, on. because, yeah. My dad owned an Apple II when I was in high school. <laughs> um, You ever try No Man's Sky? That in VR is a pretty yeah, solid experience. I, did.
2: <laughs> I have. Um, I haven't tried it in a while. I tried it before I built my current PC when I was still um, running a They've 980 updated Ti. It. Yeah. They've
1: updated it a lot. Yeah, I need, the game, I need, to, the I need game, to get back into The game into has been one. updated a lot. They've never charged a cent for any of the updates. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a full, full flipping game in VR, dude. And yeah. the first... And jumping, like, you literally, like, jump into your spacecraft and you fly by grabbing the sticks. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I, you know, I'll land on one of my freighters and I'll walk over to the edge and I'll be getting vertigo looking down at the planet. It's, it, it, it's really spectacular. I still stand
2: by the most immersive VR experience I've ever had, um, especially in the early days, was Elite Dangerous because i've got i've got a basic uh, yeah. i've got a basic hotas um myself um that i use i have dangerous um and playing that in vr with a hotas was even just doing menial stuff just mining asteroids and turning that in for credit like it was
1: just i had a i the, played the, with the, a couple of yeah, i had a couple of co-workers uh that play and they helped they helped me they they brought me up to speed on it. I ended up with this mining ship that had the, uh, cockpit that was like the 200- yeah, 200 glass dorm, view. So you're looking all right. around. Right. So you're sitting there mining, looking <laughs> down between your feet at like the asteroids just, look and yeah, you're right. It's it crazy. Was yeah. A neat experience. Mm. It's pretty cool. And it so, can be so uh, peaceful as
2: well because you bring in like a, 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 a mirrored browser window. Say you got like Netflix or something up there, or, you know, you say, you're watching bad batch and star Wars, you just have like your star Wars marathon going in a, in a panel up there while you're mining asteroids. It's, something a bit different (laughs) good stuff
0: so jscar asks what vr headset do you have i assume that's for you josh because i think he knows what mark Mm. has.
2: (laughs) Uh, i'm currently rocking an oculus quest 2 um i've i've always been unfortunately stuck in the oculus ecosystem from day one i had an oculus rift and then a quest one and now the the quest two um i know the whole facebook side of things is a bit contentious at the moment um but it's just yeah, sort of the uh, the ecosystem I'm stuck in because I've just I've unfortunately put too much money into that space. But and I just love the for less intense stuff, just being able to run it natively off the headset itself. Um, like you don't, it doesn't need to be tethered to your computer. Like it's just I play this chess game completely wireless free. Um, it's so uh, the Oculus Quest 2, uh, JSCAR, is um, completely standalone. It's got an internal chip, um, uh, quite a powerful Qualcomm chip designed for standalone VR headsets. It's got a battery built in, but it can also tether to your computer for more meaty stuff like Half Life Alex and whatnot. Um, but most of the time, I'm playing natively off the headset. And that's the thing. Cool. I, I, I talk about this a bit in that uh, blog post I mentioned. That's the type of headset that I think is going to propel VR and AR into the into the mass market because
0: yeah well of
2: the, no of so, the price point of it so the
0: the concept right if, if this is going to become more more ubiquitous it can't be tethered 100%. to a machine on your desk it has to be something that's yeah. mobile right and that's 100%. where where google went with their little vr helmets was kind of cool their cardboard you just, yeah you just threw your your phone in there right and yeah. you had you had essentially a mini vr um, from my understanding the, that
2: was only three degrees of freedom yeah that was purely rotational yeah um yeah where the obviously the quest 2 it's completely oh, yeah it's yeah I'm, degrees, not, full I'm not i'm not trying degrees, to say yeah. that <laughs> slapping my cell
0: phone into some cardboard is is on the same level as your oculus I'm it was it was the, a definitely yeah the, the concept right the where level. it's all self-contained yeah. and you plug it in and off you go right mm. uh, it had a yeah. little control i had one actually for the i had a in fact it's I have it up here used. For oh, the, the daydream screen. system. I have. Oh, that was yep, the step up daydream. after
2: cardboard was daydream. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. I had it had this little remote and a little little, uh, you know, eyewear that you'd pop the the phone yep, into yeah. the, the first pixel I had. Uh, so that, that's that. that's. And guess what? From, they abandoned it. What do you freaking know? Yeah. <laughs> well, the from
2: daydream the system was similar to um, the Oculus Go. Which was Oculus's first standalone headset. That was only rotational as well. It didn't have um, positional tracking, yeah. um, and that one was meant more for your media watching. Uh, bring up a big screen to watch. It Netflix was neat. Or, or I gotta whatnot. say, like yeah. you,
0: you could fire up a YouTube video and sit there, mm. and like you're surrounded by whatever scene you chose, right? Yeah. Whether it's like hanging out in a, in a lounge or like out in the woods or whatever, and there, giant just your, home your theater YouTube video playing <laughs> personal VMAX
2: screen. <laughs> yeah, right. It so, was pretty cool. VMAX, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: I will say if you're if you're willing to have a tethered experience, uh, another fantastic game if you're a nerd is Star Wars Squadrons. Yes, because no, that was that was really good. You're, I played you're, that. You're, that was you're flying <laughs> an X-wing or a Tie Fighter, and mm. it's unbelievably cool.
0: Yeah,
2: now that that I, I enjoyed that a lot.
0: Um, Mark the uh, Mark here was kind enough to give me his old uh, his old headset, but I don't have any of the The other technology that goes with it, right? So once Mm. once I invest like the $1,000 or whatever, I have to invest to get that stuff at this point though, honestly you thousand, you're better yeah. off
2: waiting we're right on the cusp of a new and potentially new index coming out which won't require base stations it'll all be that inside out tracking with cameras on the headset to do the location where you won't need the base stations yeah. or you just bite the bullet and go something like the oculus the oculus quest even though that as i say does require a facebook account you can tether it easily back to the pc and buy everything off steam if you just want to use it as a pc headset um but again it's cheap really really high quality uh high pixel density panel so you can read everything very clearly and you don't need all that external setup because it's just either a single usb c cable back to your computer or wi-fi if you have a decent um a decent home network which is really good
0: yeah sorry i'm just reading JScar's latest comment <laughs> it says you can you can tether the quest to to your machine mm. as long as you have a six gig uh graphics card I-
2: I hadn't heard that okay. um, restriction previously. Like I've got Look the official of your link GPU right now. Oh. Yeah. I've got the official Oculus Link cable that they brought out um a year and a half ago now to do that, but they've recently done a native update for wireless play, or there's the um a purchasable app that has been doing wireless play on the quest for ages now called Virtual Desktop, which allows you to just connect back into your Steam and play your VR games wirelessly that way. But yeah, I was lucky enough to get a graphics card before they all went stupid. Admittedly, it is a last gen one. I've got a I've got a 2080 super. Um, I needed to. I knew there was the 30 series coming, but I, my card died and I needed to buy a new one. I couldn't wait until they dropped the the 30 series.
1: Yeah, I have, I have a, a GTX 1070 and it pretty much still kicks ass.
2: Yeah, yeah. I upgraded from a 980 Ti. <laughs>
0: Which cool. Died. Well, this this has been a fun, if not uh, somewhat random, conversation. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> from the start to the finish, right? Um, Printing
1: Marvel and VR.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So nah. Pretty, sure. That's pretty cool stuff. Do <laughs> that's you? Fine. Uh, if if anybody wants to find you in any way, do you have like a social or, or something, uh, true, something I'm not, official, I'm not super... like whatever?
2: Yeah, I'm not I'm not super super active on there. I have okay. twitch streamed in the past and whatnot, but if they want to, they could find me at Spazarus. that's S P A Z R U S. Um if if people want to Twitter and, and um and Twitch and stuff and but I don't so, I'm so not know, super active. <laughs> I know you,
0: you you and I linked up on Discord. Um, mm. I will, Discord. Yeah, if you don't already have it, I'll send you an invite to our, uh, our iron sysadmin channel on Discord sure. server, Yeah, yeah, Discord. People Discord chat with you that to. way. Is probably the easiest way yeah, to do it. Yeah, easy. Yeah, 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 Mark that. always makes fun of how I say the word Discord.
1: Because um, he says it wrong half the time.
0: Uh, only half the how time. How do you say it? I say it Discord.
1: Versus, how do you say it, Mark? Discord.
0: Yeah, he, he puts the emphasis on dis, where I put the emphasis on cord. <laughs> So much so, I so that I made a, a difference. You're both... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're both right to me. <laughs> yeah, I think they're both fun, but whatever. All right, so this has been fun. I think we're gonna go to a break, and then mm-hmm. uh, Josh, you're welcome to stay with us or not. It's completely up to you. Nah, I
2: should probably go do some real work before my colleagues nah. are
0: like, "What the hell are you doing?" That's real yeah, <laughs> work. Thanks, Jace yeah. All right, so I'm gonna hey. I'm gonna push the button.
1: Push the button, Frank soon hey before i push the button josh it was a pleasure to meet you yeah. i hella enjoyed your time with us and you're no, welcome thank you back for having anytime. me this was fun
0: yeah this has been a good conversation all right so folks we'll see you in a few minutes um yeah we'll be right back see you are you a fan of the iron scissor podcast if you are don't forget you can support the show via patreon at patreon.com slash iron or you can buy merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash iron And thank you. We're back. Did you notice? I noticed. I mean, of course you noticed because we're, you know, you're part of the stream and all. I, would I e- hope so. I would noticed. expect you'd notice.
1: I hope the viewers noticed because if they didn't notice, then why are we even here? You know, like why? Because it's a podcast and people have downloaded this onto their i device. Or androids that and are listening to us are there in the whatever. future. In the
0: future, we're speaking to you from the past. Hi. I don't know if it's much better. From the past. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was a fun conversation. What do you think, Mark? I, yeah, absolutely. I know how you feel about absolutely. printers.
1: Yeah, but I like Josh. So. You know, and then we talked about Marvel and some Star and some VR, VR? including space games and shit. Yeah, good stuff. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. So we're up to
0: the part of the show where we do a little bit of housekeeping. We're going to do some announcements, although we don't really have any announcements. But we do have our usual Patreon update. We picked up a new patron, so I'm pretty happy about that. And we have another patron who subscribed at a level to get a T-shirt, which I have to send out yet. Uh, And we had the first one who signed up for the level where they get a t-shirt, which I sent out uh, a couple weeks ago now. So they should have it by now. Teespring takes a little bit of time to print it and send it. So theoretically, they have it by now. So um, if you don't have it by now, let me know. But you haven't told me so via Patreon, so.
1: So many pronouns.
0: Yeah, I guess. Anyway. Patrons, we've got, I didn't count them, but we, I'll just list them off here. We got the new one, is is I think it's Jeremy. There's like funny characters in here. Jeremy. Uh Aranomi. Aranomi, however we we decided that's pronounced. Andrew, Tatro, Bruce, Robert, Matt, David, Solemn. There's Mark getting distracted again. Uh Trooper-ish, Linux 666 Gimpy B, Mark with a K, Dementor, our good friend Dementor. Um, John, the nice guy. Mark with a C. Julius, Andy, J, Charles. And can you recite it? Do you know which one the last one is?
3: 22532.
0: Two,
1: his Christian name, yes, two, two, five, three, two.
3: <laughs>
1: so well, thank we just call you. Him two. Yes, thank you to all of you, patrons.
0: Very much appreciated. Um, those of you that I still own owe, owe a T-shirt too. I'll get that taken care of soon. And uh, so you should hear from me via Patreon to get that done. Um, and yeah, yeah, thanks to all of I, you. This I have awesome. nothing
1: to do with the t-shirts, so don't complain to me. No, no, that, that you don't. That's
0: all on me. Luckily, Patreon does a good job of reminding me, um, you know, that it's due. You know, yeah. that, that I owe them. And
1: uh, Thirst- Thirsty Gnomes, by the way, is specifically asking for the mysterious Jason's backstory. Oh, I guess we'll have to,
0: we'll have to get that going. Oh, he's so mysterious.
1: <laughs> and Spazrus says, hey, it's me. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's reacting to something you said or he's nope. just, you know. No, Spaz- like it's-
0: Spazrus. If, if you, maybe you didn't pay attention to uh, Josh's outro there. But that's Josh.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, hi, Josh. Oh, hi, Josh. <laughs> Aha uh-huh, Mark, you're my best friend. Hi, Johnny. Uh, oh, anyway. I'm not sure if I want
0: to know where that comes from. I know that I know that's from the room. Is it from the room? I still haven't watched it. It's I went I grabbed it the night you told me that I should or should not watch it. And then you I didn't. Really shouldn't watch
1: it, but <laughs> you you really should, yeah. Apparently Spazrus
0: <laughs> has watched it because he <laughs> Oh I'm a. Uh.
1: You tied me apart. Oh, hi, Josh. (laughs) I did not hit the. Ah, yeah.
0: All right, so we don't have any new reviews. Um, Folks, if you left a review and you think we missed it, let me know. Just don't let me know in the same way you left the review, because obviously I'm not seeing it.
1: (laughs) Captain Obvious here.
0: So, um, yeah, I don't think we have any other announcements. Uh, DEFCON 610 is doing in-person meetups again. So if you're in the Lehigh Valley here in, uh, in PA, come on out. First Wednesday of every month.
1: So Josh hate-watched The Room before watching <laughs> Disaster <artists>. that, That's <laughs> My son forced me to watch The Room, and I pretty much yeah, sat there on the couch in a rage. The and time. then you infected everybody else? Is that how this happened? Well... It's like the, the the little videos that mock it and everything are funny. And
0: there are there are two movies I have a similar experience with. One of them is Lost Highway.
1: Never seen that one.
0: Uh, I watched it solely because uh, Nine Inch Nails was on the soundtrack. Because mm-hmm. for some reason that seemed like a good reason to watch a movie.
1: It's completely strange. How'd that work out for you? It, it's not
0: a. I'd have to, to be honest, to remember much about it, I would have to watch it again. Cause that was 20 years ago or more. I feel like you're not going to do that. And it, I'm probably not. And it was, it really, the soundtrack was better than the movie, much better than the movie. The movie was one of these like completely off the wall, like cerebral things where like, even if you sat and thought about it for a while, it still didn't make sense.
1: Oh, just the kind of movies I love. Yeah.
0: And then the other one was being John Malkovich. I don't. I don't know if you've being seen. Being John
1: that one. Malkovich is that's one of those movies you hear of, and you feel like a bunch of movie critics thought it was like awesome and special, but I've never actually bothered to sit down and watch it. Would I hate it? Probably. Like, how's it compared to like you know, for instance, Black Widow. You know? uh, so I mean, being uh, I'll give you the premise
0: of being John Malkovich. These people find a hole. Literally, a hole in the ground, and they crawl through it. And when you crawl through the hole, you are now John Malkovich. You're, like, literally in John Malkovich's, like, body. You are controlling John Malkovich.
1: And how's John Malkovich feel about that? I don't remember. It's that long ago. I don't think he was happy about it. What happens if more than one person crawls into the hole at a time? I want to
0: say they addressed that in the movie, but I don't remember. Huh. Someone who's watched being John Malkovich, that's also in the chat right now, let us know how that worked out. How did John Malkovich feel about being, you know, John Malkovich in the movie, being John Malkovich? Um, And what happened to two people crawled in the hole? (laughs) That sounds terrible. Oh. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, we've already gone off on a tangent. This is this part of the show where we tangent. This is all about the tangents, guys. All right. So, uh, Mark, you have anything fun
1: going on? So after uh, much hemming and hawing and after Jason pushing me a little, I I actually went ahead and I bought my Apple Watch, which I got to be honest, I didn't really know if I'd be into it at all. And now it's like, I wouldn't want to not have it. Now, it's part of your life. It's so much part of your life. Part of my world. Little mermaid there. No, it's like, I you noticed. know, at, at work, at work, we talk about like edge computing all the time. And and the watch is like an edge computer for my phone. <laughs> like just looking at, oh, notifications. <laughs> oh. Because, oh, because this isn't edge enough. You need this too. No, because... <laughs> I don't even have to take my phone out of my pocket and like, or like if I leave my phone charging on my desk or just leave it on my desk and I walk upstairs. Your, your edge device can, has
0: an edge device. You've extended I your can, edge. Yeah. Good job. I have.
1: I have. Like I can. And it's actually it's pretty amazing to me how legible it is, like for reading stuff, for the text and everything. And and you can do a total Dick Tracy when if someone calls you, you can answer it right on the watch and talk on the watch.
0: That's that's the that's the the
1: winner right there. It's pretty cool. And that the the primary use case I got it for is the health stuff. And Apple's got this thing with these three rings. The Fitbit was all about the steps, and yeah. the, the last Fitbit I got kind of went to hell. This has the total move calories, which is the outer red ring, then the exercise time, which is higher intensity stuff and then the standing your lazy ass up you know at least for a minute or two for 12 hours each day and then you you close the blue ring in the middle so it's like a little bit of gamification there yeah 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 so it's pretty cool like if i if i eat something and i want to track it i just i can fire up my fitness pal on the watch see that's the key just look use a little dial making all that stuff easy i i um after vacation oh oh what? Yeah. And, and my favorite, my favorite child is on here. It actually has you, you can you can do the big green egg through the watch. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I mean, the controller is offline, but you can flip through. OK, the grill temperature, the meat temperature, you know, all that stuff. You, you can see right from the watch. So if you wake if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm doing a cook, I don't even have to fumble for my phone. All I got to do is look on my watch. Yeah. And. and see what's going on with the egg
0: yeah i i had i had decided that um while so like when the wife and i started running a year ago when the pandemic started <clears throat> i lost a little bit of weight like 10 pounds and i didn't really gain it back but i also uh, have stopped losing so i've mm-hmm. decided to start trying to do a better job of keeping track mm-hmm. of what i eat and whatever and the biggest problem is that it's inconvenient and i know that sounds like me whining right but it's it is inconvenient, right, to to fire up the app on my phone and to find the thing that I get, ate and whatever,
1: right? Then get fat and diabetic. Sure. No, right. um, <laughs> no and and the reality I, I'm kind of My point is I having start, it on your
0: watch there probably makes it a little less inconvenient. It
1: it, it is less inconvenient. It's just it's really pretty freaking cool. I so I'm now at the point where I where I don't want to not have an Apple Watch. Did, did I have the right number of negatives in there? I think I did. I don't want to not have yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean I the so. the I had I had an Android wear device years ago, and to be honest, it did not integrate well into my life.
1: Well you can say what you want about Apple, right. but those sons of bitches, right. know how to, they know how to you want. So
0: we, we tried the Fitbits when we started running because we wanted something to be able to track our runs better than carrying our phones with us because, face it, phones don't track it as well as a device that can actually check your heart rate. Um, so we got the Fitbits because they were cheaper than Apple Watches. Plus, I don't have an Apple device. And um, I got to say, as a fitness tracker, I... I I think it's great as a watch that tells me the time. I think it's great as a notification device or an integrate integrated thing into my phone. It's really not
1: that great. So I I can do all that shit. Yeah. I tap on the date. There's my next meeting Yay for for tomorrow. And I can just flip through the meetings for tomorrow. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Show off. It's so friggin cool. And again, it's it's something I didn't even know I wanted. Yeah. And and now it's like I mean, as I, I love you, Apple Watch. <laughs>
0: you can kiss your wife, you kissy face with your with your technology there. I mean, as as you know, I was I was an Android user. I've been an Android user for like ever. And then I tried an iPhone for a little while. And then I went back to Android. And to be honest, I feel like I don't love either platform anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't I don't love Android anymore especially because of what Google does. Like, I love Android. I don't love the company behind it. And if you have Android without Google, it's really not great, right? Because you don't have any of the integrations that you get.
1: Yes, there's so alternatives J-Sar. to a
0: lot of this stuff. but
1: JSCar, are you talking Apple Watch or just regular, your like smartwatch, like generic smartwatch?
0: PinePhone for an A, yeah, JSCar. See, the, the problem with PinePhone or anything that's not a Google Android device is that they feel hampered. They don't have all the integrations all of the things that make um,
1: Word to
0: that make Android useful are the things that are run by Google. And the things that are run by Google are all spying on me, which is what I don't like. I like the integrations. I don't like the spying. <laughs> right? I don't love Apple's UI, but I love their stance on privacy and their stance on the fact that you are their I- customer, not their product. Right? So, I don't know. I've been going back and forth about... When this phone is ready for replacement, I may go back to iPhone. And if I do, maybe I'll get an Apple Watch, and that'll be the thing that keeps me on iPhone. I don't know.
1: Dude, I I, I mean I've given the same speech over and over to my nerd friends. The iPhone to me is an appliance. Yeah. Right. I don't want to fight with it. Well, so and is I, this? When I started, when I started at Red Hat, I went, I did a, uh, I I did an, an Android, but it always had this rough edge to it. Always had a bit of a rough edge to it from
0: my perspective. Yeah, the the Pixel 4 that I have now, it's a really polished, really, it works really well. Uh, I I have not messed around with it. I didn't root it or put any other ROM on it or whatever, which is exactly what I used to do to all my old old phones um, because I wanted it to be just a functional phone. And it is just that, right? It works really well. If it weren't for the fact that I always feel like Google is just sort of trying to worm its way into my life, Um, I would not even consider switching. That's really the thing.
1: They just just want to be your special friend. They want to be a special friend.
0: So, yeah. Anyway. That's my Android rant. I I want to love Android. I want to hate Google. In fact, I do kind of hate
1: Google. AirTag. I don't know what. Why does Josh hate AirTag?
0: I don't know what that is is that like a skin tag? A, Those are annoying. It's a,
1: it's a tracking device you can put in your luggage or on your oh, keys okay. or whatever to find it with your phone. Somebody
0: is watching me. It's Google. That's true. Anyway, that is the that is my conundrum. Which which expensive um, computer do I carry around in my pocket? That's that's the biggest problem in my life right now. <laughs>
1: And then um yeah, what's an Atlas? An Atlas Volkswagen Atlas. Oh. It's the uh it's an SUV. Mm-hmm. So I got yeah, I'm, I'm leasing a 2021 Atlas which has so much tech in it that it's scary. The um the cruise control. Let me tell you about the cruise control. You flip on the cruise control and it's it's the adaptive one. Mm-hmm. Where I actually tested this. I get off the highway. First of all, you set the distance and it adjusts your, your speed to, to keep a distance from the car in front of you. Yeah. Which is really cool, right? I've, I've rented cars before that do that. And I'm like, man, I wish I had a car that does that. Now I do. I get off the highway. I set the cruise for 45 miles an hour because I'm on 191. We're coming up to a red light. And I'm, I'm using all of my willpower to keep my foot off of the gas or the brake. The car stops itself behind the car in front of me at the light. Yeah, it goes to zero and nice. it stops. That's cool. The light goes green and I, ju- <clears throat> I just tap the accelerator with my right foot. The cruise control reengages and brings me up to 45 just as soon as it can. Once the car in front of me has accelerated. That's cool. It also, apparently, if I get too close to something, it will slam on the brakes on its own, but I haven't tested that. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, God
1: forbid it doesn't. Those are,
0: yeah, I don't know if I'd want to test that, but it would be a nice thing to have in an event that you need it. Right. Um, But those are neat features and they're, they're becoming more and more standard because government regulations are starting to mandate a bunch of safety features like that. Like the backup cameras, for example, that was a government, mandate because too many people were backing over pets and children as grim as that is. Right. Um, People can't be trusted to operate their own vehicles anymore. So they have to add in all these things to make sure that they can't hurt other people with them.
1: My dream situation is a car that one of these days and my, my uh, daughter's boyfriend has a Tesla and it's damn close. I just get in the car and the frigging thing drives itself and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So, so this thing is, but it can go full manual if you want. So the 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 Volkswagen has CarNet, which lets me lock and unlock the doors, lets me start it from my phone, gives me the mileage, estimated mileage remaining, gives me vehicle health output. So it shows, uh, it gives a you know red, green, yellow on the driver assistance systems, the transmission and powertrain, the tires and brakes, tells me miles or days to the next service. And then it's got Navigate, which has a friggin' map that shows where the car is. So the other day, I was pissing my wife and daughter off because I saw they parked next to Five Guys. I'm like, you guys are at Five Guys? They're like, no, we went to phone. It was just easier to park there. That's creepy. But, like, it's so cool. So instead of Google tracking
0: you, Volkswagen is.
1: Well, uh, they are. Service is CarNet. CarNet is tracking
0: you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and you, you can opt in to like have it tracked for insurance purposes, which I'm not doing. But it's cool. It's cool. A lot of tech in the car. That's it's cool. It's got um, it's got the thing where the where you stop and it it shuts the engine off if if it decides it can shut the engine off that, and it instantly restarts. I, how do they do that? How come it has to go rah, 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 to start from the beginning, but it can instantly start running again when it, it's running? They must keep something going. It has to do with compression,
0: if I remember correctly. The engine's compression. Okay. It uses the compression to restart. Sort of like in the old days when you had a manual and you would coast mm-hmm. start it. it. If if you if you're you know, if you couldn't start it otherwise, you could coast you could drift start.
1: I know how to do that. I've done that. Yeah. I've had um, cars where I've had to do that. Yeah.
0: I from what I understand, it's a similar thing, except there's an electric motor. Sort of like
1: your starter, that does the drift part, right? No, it's really cool, and you can turn that off if you don't like it. Yeah, but I like it. Yeah, that's I it's...
0: the the newer Jeeps have the have the same thing, and they're it's an emissions they're not emissions thing, it's a, a fuel economy thing, right? So to, yeah, turning it's off the engine, expensive. Turning off the engine at a stoplight saves a minuscule amount of gas. But apparently, that's enough that they get just yeah. enough out of it that they can help meet the the stricter government standards for fuel efficiency. Well,
1: if you if you're if you're sitting in traffic enough, it probably saves more than just a little bit. My God. So anyway, yeah, but cars fantastic. Yeah,
0: Ooh. I'm I'm more of an old fashioned person when it comes to vehicles, simply because I have a, a passion for vehicles. You know, for certain vehicles, anyway.
1: Um, yeah but I get that. But I I was never I got a lot of that out of my system when I drove the ghetto jet in college and would 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 use duct tape and hit parts of it to make it work. (laughs) I kind of I'm kind of tired of that. I want my car to be an appliance, too, and I want it to be a really nice appliance.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not to the point where I want my car to be an appliance. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe like the normal dependable car should be an appliance, but I still like to
1: pilot a vehicle. You know what I mean? Oh, I, you can pilot the crap out of the Atlas if you want to. You can lean on the systems if you want, or you can pilot it manually if you want. Yeah. I, I, and I'm still trying to figure out all it can do. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's neat.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm torn about the, the subject of extra technology in cars, mainly because I like to work on my own vehicles. And the more technology they throw in there, the harder that becomes.
1: Well, sure, sure. That's a legitimate, you know, that, that whole right to repair thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's That's like
1: it's, legit, it's, it's like they're not
0: legit They're not actively trying to prevent you in some cases. It's just that the technology has made it more complicated. So you need like certifications and whatnot to be able to work on a vehicle.
1: I, I, I get that, but to me, to me, it's worth it. And I guess I mean, can't you still buy cars that are more, you know, classic that way? Like not as sort not of. as crazy and high tech. Like, like
0: at maybe? the moment, you can, but it's getting harder just like it's harder to find a manual transmission. If if you like to drive a manual transmission, they're getting hard to find.
1: I I can drive stick and I've had I've I've owned multiple cars that are stick. My wife doesn't drive stick and I'm kind of I, I again, I'm at the point of my life where I'm like, yeah, and I know Derek might be listening yeah, and be right. judging me. But, you don't like manual." Arr. I love
0: I love driving manual. I don't love driving manual every day. Now that I work from home, I, I would seriously consider replacing um well, I don't know if I'd replace my Jeep with a manual, but I consider buying another manual vehicle just because I don't have to drive yeah. it 40 miles one way every day because it does get kind of tedious.
1: If I if I do a proper midlife crisis car like a bright red convertible or something, I would do that'll a be start. manual. <laughs> oh my God, the the time I the time that they upgraded me to a Charger at enterprise <laughs> holy shit we
0: got a we got a charger cool. for our trip to DerbyCon one year and it was just like we're gonna get arrested on the way to DerbyCon.
1: <laughs> i couldn't own i couldn't own a charger i'd lose my license yeah that car was so much fun and this cool. this was like the four-door
0: sedan version of the charger it wasn't even the sporty charger happened. and it the was like
1: giant balls <laughs>
0: it's pretty giant awesome balls pretty awesome giant
1: car balls yeah, so that's uh those are those are va- those are tech related, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so those that's kind of what's going on with me from a nerd perspective. On a personal perspective, my daughter leaves for Korea next Thursday. the, yeah. the good one, South Korea. Yeah, she's going to be there for at least a year. She's going to be teaching English to tiny Korean children. So um, take basically, then then she'll come back and and pick up grad schools of chemistry. Her advisor said that would not be it wouldn't be a problem. Cool. They wouldn't hold that against her. She, like, got a 4.0 in chemistry. Well, she got a 4.0 from Seton Like That's cool. Smart kid, actually worked hard. Cool. Cool. So I'm a little sad about that, I will say.
0: That she's, yeah, that she's going out of the country and you won't see her for a while? Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, there's digital, you know, obviously, like, before the 4th of july i hadn't seen you in person yeah for and, like a, and, and, what, and 18 months so much, or something <laughs> and there's a gajillion red hatters i've never met in person who i consider you know who i'm close with so you know i the technology can certainly close those gaps yeah but yeah it's not quite the same no it definitely isn't the same it's not the same being
0: being able to get together and drink with somebody is something i really miss since the beginning of the the pandemic well, and i've i've had a couple chances to do that in the past month or so and it's really nice
1: <laughs> it looks like it looks like the new york red hat users group might be able to meet in october We're that's pushing cool. hard for that to happen that's cool yeah. and we'll get up there i hell i'm going whether you're going or not i'll be there <laughs> i i'm gonna hug the shit out of everybody yeah anyway yeah i don't know if, i don't even
0: know if i remember what floor we have to go up to Twenty four. There we go. Anybody who's trying to opsec the Red Hat offices in uh, New York, eh, whatever.
1: They, I'm pretty sure it's public. They, they have to get they have to get past the guys downstairs who are classic New York security guards. They won't let them by. Yeah, right. Right. Those guys are those guys are hard noses. All right. So anyway, you may have noticed, you finally-
0: like you've heard me talk about this thing probably on three, maybe four Constantly. episodes. Constantly. That I'm, that I'm building this hex lamp. Do you notice what's behind me?
1: It's your, it's your fedora. It's uh the Firefly ship. It's your Doom poster, and then there's some plastic crap on your wall that seems to be glowing.
0: <laughs> the hex lamp is working. I can see that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I think it's it uh, kind of cool. It's uh the so the the downside is it's not it's not bright enough that you can see it during the day or even when the normal lights are on in the office because the sun is bright mm-hmm. enough that it causes too much glare but it's it's there it's and sun. it's and it's working it's pretty cool
1: yeah sun, it, could do, right? it, it could do all different colors i assume yeah
0: so hold on let me i have it linked up to home assistant of course which can. is what i i've said i'm going to do with it but you can you can make it solid colors but that's boring right that's this. What it's doing right now is called fire. And if you're in person, you can see it better right now. It just kind of looks like a red glow, doesn't it? Over on the side yeah. here is like a yellow glow and then it goes red and they kind of fan out as though it's flame, which yeah, is no,
1: I can see that effect, which
0: is kind of cool. Um, it is. But yeah, I can like, uh, let's see here. Here, let's, let's try color twinkles. There you go. Isn't that neat? These are all presets that came with... There's this There's this software called WLED, which runs on these little... Sounds e- like a radio station. Yeah, right, on these little ESP8266 boards, which I would have pulled one out, but I didn't think of. They're just these little tiny controller boards, kind of like an Arduino, that there's one inside of there, right? And I flashed it with WLED, and this is like what it does right out of the box. I've done zero coding to make this work.
1: There you go, little rainbow effect. Someday we'll find it. The Rainbow Connection. This is called, this is called Circus. Nate's office wall. Yeah, right. Right. Candy cane. We'll try
0: candy cane. Uh, look like candy cane. Whatever. But they're neat. And it's basically just a five meter. Yes, five meter. Uh, 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 RGB LED strip that's in there. All coiled up inside of the inside of those little hexes. And they're, they're white 3D printed lenses on the front. So they kind of just diffuse some of the light. It's, it's pretty cool. I like it. It's it's a fun little thing. And uh, it's going to be in the background there on all of our shows going forward until it, like, catches fire or falls off the wall or something.
1: Or the dog eats it. Or the or dog something. eats it, yeah. Yeah,
0: so nice. I, I did have some trouble getting it to work because I bought these little... Well, I bought these other controller boards that, uh, on the recommendation of, actually, uh, the mentor. It's all his fault. Um, but Oh, boy. They, for whatever reason, when I powered them off the power brick that's plugged into the wall that powers the thing, because I don't want it just powered mm-hmm. off USB, it just, they would, like, basically crash and reboot, right? I don't know. I don't know why I was doing it. It's I could not I couldn't, you wanted I couldn't figure it out, so I ended up switching to the, the other boards that I had initially bought, and there it goes. It works. So, yeah, pretty well. cool. It's now a permanent part of the lighting in my office. Mm-hmm. and the, the cool thing is since they're just these generic LED strips uh, you can theoretically put them anywhere you can get like a little tiny one foot LED strip and put it underneath the cabinets in your you know your your kitchen or something just for light for the countertop all kinds of cool uses for it so yeah that's my my hex lamp I like it the famous hex lamp I like it yeah famous it is it is kind of famous and the other thing I'm doing also with a 3d printer is um, I don't even know how I came down this rabbit hole. So you guys remember I printed out that 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 rabbit hole. that ball jointed doll, which I'm the st- creepy doll, yeah, which I'm still working on painting. By the way, uh, I didn't like. I knew that was going to be a pain in the butt, but try. I, I'm obsessed with trying to get the surface of the doll smooth before we paint it, because it should be smooth, right? You know how three D prints have like lines on it. Yeah, right. So um, that has not gone well. <laughs> So it's not painted or assembled
1: yet or anything, but, um, you'd be better off rather than trying to smooth it, buying a doll be better off using some sort <laughs> ser- no, <laughs> using some sort of primer code. No, exactly. I had primer uh, automotive primer from another project,
0: which automotive primer is generally filler <coughs> primer, which is exactly what I need. Well, it's not filling well enough. So I, I just like yesterday, today they came in the mail. I got, two cans of a different brand of high build filler primer, and that's what I'm going to try to use on it this time. So On the creepy doll. On the creepy doll. Um, but anyway, that leads to... Um, I. My wife
1: likes the anime sand the, Sailor he's, he's sand Moon. Sand the deck. What's that? Uh, Andy's like, sand the deck. Wax on, wax on. <laughs> on the creepy doll. My
0: wife likes the anime Sailor Moon. So I actually went searching for a model of Sailor Moon, that we could just print out and she can put in her craft room, right? Um, Obviously Uh it would have to be painted or whatever. And I ended up finding Uh a site that does professional, like collectible figurine 3D models. And for like four bucks or something, you buy this model and then you print it out. This one was, that was printed out in like, I don't know, a dozen pieces or so that you then super glued together. And it came out really awesome. So I thought, I like collectible things too. So I went and found another model for, it was a comic I liked back in the 90s called Witchblade. There's an anime series that goes along with it too. It's about- I've heard of Witchblade. Okay, so um, I'm currently in the process of trying to, so this was my first attempt and it got far enough, but I don't love how the finish came out. Um, This is a Witchblade model, Sarah Pazzini, who's the the, uh, heroine from uh, Witchblade but I printed it with black PLA, so it's really difficult to see, like, the, the... Because, yeah. like, all well, the... it's
1: really difficult to see because the window's very small, too, and it's a little chunky. Right. For
0: you, it's hard to see. But for me, for painting right. it, it's hard to see. So I'm now actually in the process of reprinting the stuff I printed and glued together already in gray PLA, which you can see all the uh-huh. details a lot easier for painting. So that's what wow, I'm working well, that's, on now. That's so that's my, that's my latest thing. And then I need shelves to put this stuff on. So that'll be another project. So you to print some shelves. No, I'll, I'll, I'll just like Jason and his ongoing shelf project. It took him a year to get those shelves behind his his uh, you know you see behind him when he's in his office. Um, uh-huh. I want to build shelves that go like around the upper uh, edge of That's the nice. office, and that'll be. That'll be that.
1: I just, I just bought the sixteen cube case. I could good. do that, but I don't Very have. That. I don't have floor space to set it
0: up. I'd have to rearrange. I, I could certainly rearrange. Well, the office it's to do not that,
1: floor but. space. It's a, it's you need a, you need an empty wall. Oh, that mounts like to the a, wall. Well, it's up against the wall. But
0: it still requires floor space against a, the wall. It needs like yeah. a
1: foot of wall.
0: Right. Do you see any wall space behind me?
1: Uh, well, I don't see the whole room. <laughs> I occasionally see daughters and dogs and yeah, wife. Right. I Right. So Yeah, I, I don't know what you do. This room's I, pretty I
0: this the walls of this room are pretty cluttered, but I'll trust you on that. The one foot above you know, from the ceiling down is not. So I'm gonna make a shelf that runs around the whole room.
1: I may even right. light it
0: with LEDs,
1: which would be kinda cool. Of course you will. Well yeah, I have the ability now. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> You're gonna put LEDs on everything. There'll be LEDs in the kids, there'll be LEDs be like in the dogs. LEDs on the frames of my glasses. <laughs> Just don't put LEDs. On, you know, don't don't do something cheesy with your Jeep and LEDs. No, that would be totally ghetto. Yeah, totally. I would. I would never do that. Now, I did in the '80s have one of those license plates that when you hit the brake, the up. license plate would do the spinning mm. lights or. Of course, LED you it.
0: would. It sounds very much like an Uncle Mark thing.
1: It was. It was so cheesy.
0: (laughs) Nate, have you looked at the XTC 3D high-performance 3D print coating on Amazon? No, I haven't. I'll have to do that now. Is this like a primer for 3D prints? I would... That's what
1: it sounds like.
0: One of the problems, and maybe you won't be able to see this on the video, but you see where her... her, See, she's two pieces here, right? Where the two pieces join,
1: I've cut her in half. half.
0: Um, There's a little bit of a seam there. And I need something to fill yeah. that, because on the one that yeah. I have started painting, you can still see the seam. Maybe you can't see yeah. it the thing,
1: but tragic. But yeah,
0: tragic indeed. When I when I was younger, I used to do modeling, not like modeling modeling, but like model airplanes. Like your mom, your mom didn't take you to like no. places and like, strange men would take pictures. Like every. model airplanes and model cars yeah. and stuff like that. Like of course. you know, as as many young people right. do. And of course. This is the, 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 this the is, planes is very and This is a very similar.
1: Came on the you probably did the nuclear submarine with the cutaway view. Yeah, right. Yeah, I used to do uh, stuff they like can't, that. So, the, the pieces came on the plastic. Yeah, uh, and the plastic printout
0: pl- thing where you had to cut them out. Yeah, or break them out, or whatever. I still and have my. You always my exacto they had the, knife. Yeah, so the, the 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 shitty decals. Yeah, the decals that you had to make
1: wet, and then <laughs> I miss I miss those kits.
0: Right. See, that's what I mean. Right. So this this kind of scratches got, that I, itch, right? Except it's now. It I don't know. It's I fun. was always too. Im-
1: I was probably too impatient to actually work on them. I've but been I- enjoying it.
0: So here, here's a head. It's like a disembodied <laughs> <laughs>
1: head
0: on a spike. I have these are like several prints of the torso that didn't quite come out right. <laughs> mm, mute the mutant.
1: This is how my
0: my desk looks right now. Here's another version of the head.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, we've had a. The, when 3D printing goes wrong, it's like a terrible transporter accident. It's it's really something. I had
0: one just last night. I was actually trying to... this This version of the head came out really well, but the top is where the supports were because I printed it this way. And there's like little ripples in the hair, and I wanted to try to print it again this way. So I ran that last night while I was sleeping, and of course, it fell over halfway through and just...
1: Yeah. <laughs> Molten hey, plastic so this, everywhere. This, this might this might seem kind of weird and random. Are we supposed to be doing a home lab on 3D printing for the accelerators? Didn't that come up as a thing? Maybe. Josh, you might have been there. Maybe. Or was that or was that or was that GCS Connect?
0: I don't remember. Do not remember.
1: Score, don't leave yet. Don't leave yet, Score. You have to you answer that. the question. Oh, uh, I think it was GCS Connect, which is an internal Red Hat call. I think Epoxy coding the guys for 3D printing wanna... Are you going to be around out. tomorrow? Am I going to be around tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be around tomorrow. Yeah. Jscar, was it... Uh, was... Just write him an email, man.
0: <laughs> so anyway, while you're typing feverishly to JSCar. I think we should probably move along into the news because I think we we literally just spent 45
1: minutes chatting. <laughs> yeah, so so come come to GCS Connect tomorrow, Nate, ready to talk about 3D printing. Absolutely. And then people will judge me for the, the strange... Oh, that's right. Captain Morgan wants to buy a 3D printer for his kids but doesn't want to get ripped off or buy something total garbage. People will judge me for... Painting a half-naked woman.
0: My witch blade. (laughs) Anyway. All right. I think we're going to move along into the news. And uh, I think the news is going to be covered about as thoroughly as it usually is. So, uh, you know, there's
1: that. Well, the internet was on fire today. Oh,
0: Bye, Jace Carr. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I linked a bunch of news. I don't know how much of this we're going to cover in depth because some of it was, honestly, I was just pulling in news for the sake of getting some news in here. Um, there's one I want to talk about.
1: On the day the internet was on fire.
0: On the day the internet was on fire. Yeah. So maybe we'll talk about that first. It's, it's the last one in the list. And this is from the Internet Storm Center uh, isc.sans.edu Uh, right. Lost in the cloud. Akamai DNS outage. Now, I didn't get the details specifically about the outage, but apparently Akamai DNS, which if you're not familiar, is a DNS caching provider that a lot, a whole lot of people depend on to get DNS resolutions. And you know what happens to the internet when DNS resolutions that a lot of people depend on are suddenly gone? shit stops working like everything stops working and apparently that happened today so um i'd love to talk more in depth about what happened and what sort of weird outages
1: i think we saw an outage didn't we at work oh god yeah we yeah. Lo- we 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 did because we've used akamai for a lot of our, our external stuff for a long time yeah so um
0: i'm just gonna say let this be a lesson to so so diversify (laughs) diversify your dns resolvers when you depend on one provider for your dns resolution uh things like this can happen and really hurt
1: (laughs) Mm. yeah i mean part of me wants to be snarky and be like this is what happens when you put everything in the cloud but honestly no
0: I i mean i used to be that guy that was snarky whenever a cloud provider had a problem. But honestly, in today's world, there's so many things that are dependent on the cloud. If you architect them properly and you utilize them properly, it's really not a problem because face it, cloud providers do not often have major sweeping problems like this, but they do. And when they do, you need to have a diversified um, configuration so that you know if Akamai is down, you fall over to some other DNS resolver. Right. Or DNS provider. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I. Yeah. Yeah. I just usually point at Google.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Google I can track that... all your
1: DNS queries. Whatever. <laughs> <gives> a shit. <laughs> I point my I point my I use my IDM server to, to, to do DNS in my home lab. Yeah. I, I mean, that, I point that to 8888 is the up as the upstream or whatever the proper term is, the forwarding. Yeah. The, uh, yeah.
0: Um, resolver, right, I think is the word you're looking for. Um,
1: well, no, DNS, it's the DNS, it's the forwarding zone. Like if yeah. my, if 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 the IPA server doesn't have the entry in Uncle Mark Local, yeah. it then reaches out to Google.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is your resolver's resolver, I guess is the way to put that. Yeah. It's not yeah. an authoritative server. I guess, yeah, forward, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Forward zone. I think it's a. Is it a forward no, zone? No. So uh, forward or, I, f- I'm bad at DNS. A forward, I'm probably doing it wrong.
0: A forward zone isn't forward in the way that you're thinking of it. That's a forward resolution, which is resolving a name to a IP address. And then there's rev- then there's reverse resolutions, which are resolving an right. IP to a name. To a name. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, forwarding queries. There's another name for that. That's what it's, it is. It's escape. It's escaping my memory at the moment. Maybe that is the word for it. And it's just,
1: you know, confusing. I don't it's, know. Yeah, well, because in IT, of course, we never overload words never. and use them for multiple Never things, And DNS, sometimes even in the same application or service.
0: DNS, I had a really solid understanding of DNS when I was a sysadmin because I managed to DNS. Um, and I have managed DNS for a very long time uh, for both personal and enterprise level, you know, projects. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't done that since I came to Red Hat. So it's getting a little dusty.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I'm a terribly hacky, DNA. I'm bad with DNA. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah.
0: No, I, I, had a pretty damn deep understanding of it at one point, but, uh, yeah. It's a yeah, little, yeah. little, little rusty now. So anyway, uh, yeah, I Had some problems. It was not good. Move that to the top of the, uh, the news list here so that you guys, so, this, so that we're in the right order. Because that's important. We have to be organized hmm. around here.
1: So, if all, we're not organized, all... what are we? Nah. All little niggling details aside, it was a pretty big deal, yeah. and a lot of people couldn't do a lot of stuff on the internet today. And yeah. it makes you it makes you remember fondly the days when you could use a computer that didn't require it to be on a network to be useful.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We. Um, well, we just, as you know, we just came back from vacation, and when I was on vacation. Uh, we only had like a three-hour drive to get to where we went for vacation. But, you know, kids in a three-hour drive is a lot different than a bunch of adults in a three-hour drive. So I had set up a Raspberry Pi running Kodi, and I loaded it up with a bunch of media from my Plex server. And then we wired it into the displays that are in the Cadillac, which I talked about a couple months ago that we picked up, because there's two displays in there. One of the reasons we got Mm -hmm. it was for this trip. So the kids got to watch movies, but they're like, why can't we watch Netflix? Like Because we're on the road and there's no there's no Internet. I mean, theoretically, there could have been Internet, but I wasn't going to go that deep with them. Um, and they're like, well, you know, why can't we watch Disney Plus? Uh, because that requires Internet. It's like they had no concept of not being connected to the Internet. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. Regardless of the fact that they had, like, 150 movies at their disposal.
1: No, no, no. They want Netflix. (laughs) Well, the Atlas apparently has a wireless access point Mm -hmm. that you can have it, you can basically have it use your phone's connection. Yeah, I could have done that. So that the, the vehicle passengers can just attach to your to your wireless access. Yeah, so I mean, the way I handled this with the
0: Raspberry Pi was it stood up a little access point so that I had one of my old phones to use as the remote because you needed some way to tell it what to play and whatever. Um, Gotcha. But to use cellular data to stream Netflix would get expensive quick. Depends on your plan. Depends on your plan. I don't have an unlimited plan because, well, because I'm one of those stodgy holdouts.
1: (laughs) Stodgy all out No,
0: there's there's a good reason, but I won't go into it now.
1: Do you have a landline in your house? No, we don't have. Well, technically, you, we have
0: we have a. Then a, you're not that stodgy. Yeah.
1: Don't get technical. We have we a VoIP. Stop talking. We have a
0: VoIP landline in the house, which is because one of our children does not have a cell phone yet, and the thought was, if that child needs to like call for help, they need a way to do so.
3: All right, it'll That's go away. That's half studgy.
0: Then, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um. So yeah akamai i don't know how we got from akamai to the, the cody server in my cadillac but
1: we talked about <laughs> there was a day now when you're you need gonna you trace need a then. network <laughs> connection on your computer for it to be useful right right okay yeah, but i don't i don't know what the root cause of the akamai outage was i haven't like i don't know if they're really saying what it was yet um do we know, does anyone in chat know what the root cause of the failure was? All I heard is it probably was not an attack
0: yeah We'll find out tomorrow Russia will claim you know responsibility for it some weird rushing hacking Russian hacking team that's trying to extort Bitcoin from power companies or something.
1: Yeah, someone just probably forgot to restart some daemons.
0: That's and, it. A, That's it. Oh, man, fat... the, the cron job that restarts the
1: DNS resolvers in the right sequence didn't fire. <laughs> <laughs> or there was a like misconfiguration and yeah. they didn't do they didn't do code as a. As, as you know, they did something by hand that should have been automated.
0: No, right. So I so this this happened to was it Amazon, the Amazon S3 outage that happened like five years ago or something, four years ago. Uh, it was they had written a playbook and they fired it off against a ton of their S3 infrastructure and the playbook had an error in it. I wonder if it's going to be something like that. That's that's it's the way probably, to take down a cloud. <laughs> right. right.
1: Well, I, I had a bash script that was that was supposed to unmount NFS shares back when I was at Merck. And there was this really weird ass edge case bug, but because of the server because of the uh, the server it was running on, it, it ended up unmounting all of the production NAS shares from the intranet servers. Oops. Not, yeah, it, it was. You don't it, need those. And it was like, oh my God, that's, I would have never thought that would happen and would have never tested for it. My director was super understanding. He's like, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, I get it.
0: That's when you know you've got a good boss.
1: He was a John Zettler. I'll name his name. John Zettler was a great guy. I I was ready to be I was ready to be friggin fired. And he was like, yeah, you do good work, Mark. It's not a big deal that 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 I because I, I explained to him exactly what happened. I walked him through it. I'm like, wow, that is friggin weird. Having yeah, having okay. a boss
0: that understands that level is really helpful. Right.
1: I don't even know if he understood it, but a, he understood <clears throat> he was patient and listened enough as I was walking him through it that he could tell and he could tell I was a li- bit of a of a of a nervous wreck about it
0: when uh when I was at the college and I caused that big rev outage which turned out I call it a rev was down but the VMs that it hosted were not um that was one of those moments where I'm like oh man um I'm going to be looking for a job <laughs> but uh I just Came clean. I made a mistake. I just dis- I described it, and then I buckled down to fix it. I didn't just leave it to somebody else, and that that really, you know, I assume that that's what you did too. You didn't you didn't try to blame it on somebody else. Oh no no. Yeah.
1: I was wor- I immediately was working with our level one and level two guys to get all the stuff, return everything to service.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, one of those career defining events, or could have been, right? But yeah, it worked out okay. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah. So, Andy's probably, Andy's that confirmed? Let's see here. Software configuration update triggered a bug in the DNS system <clears throat> upon rolling by the, the services, resume normal operations. All right.
0: Yep. Software configuration update. That's a playbook went when awry.
1: <laughs> Although it says it triggered a bug in the DNS system. So, yeah. There's actually a customer case for one one of my customers where they did some patching and it updated the dhcp stuff and it was causing issues with docker and jenkins docker and it's been kind of weird to try and figure it out but it looks like uh might have something to do with uh, with, with the updated with the updated versions it's trying to, to do something on the ipv6 interface i hate that where it's not doing that where it's not doing that on the older version so I'm I'm gonna try and have him disable IPv6 and see if it, if it fixes it. You don't yet. need
0: that crap anyway. Nobody uses it. Nobody use it. <laughs>
1: yeah. And Andy knows the customer I'm talking about. Anyway. So
0: anyway, Akamai was down. Configure. All right. So I've got a, a more lighthearted news article here for this for the next one.
1: Yee-hee, Lighthearted.
0: So um, you ever you ever like go to a website that autoplays media or like you have a website open in a tab that periodically restarts media. And all of a sudden it starts playing something. You're like, God, where the hell is it? That
1: That was the worst in an office, especially if you accidentally, there was this one site that I I ended up following the link and some smart ass had this thing that played at full volume. Hey, I'm looking at porn over here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember that one. (laughs) And I wasn't. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, you son of a! So apparently, yeah. uh, Microsoft Edge is finally killing off one of the worst things about the about being online. This is from Tech Radar, um, and that that's it. They're apparently they're working on some kind of an extension or whatever built into Edge. As much as it pains me to say that, uh, that will let you disable autoplay. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: I'm surprised. I wonder if Brave can do that. You would think
0: that every browser should have a checkbox in it that says "turn this crap off." It's annoying, but no.
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't care now because I'm in my home office. Oh yeah, right now
0: it's not it's not annoying at all. But um, the number of now now it's moved now it's moved to mobile apps. I'm not going to be embarrassed
1: in front of
0: right. Oh, has it now it's moved to mobile apps? Right, you get a mobile app that's free quote-unquote free that's ad supported and then you get those ads that come in blaring with like some kind of a stupid ad or whatever and it's like i don't mind looking at the ad but can you not be so freaking noisy because you just
1: that's like, a good way to that's a good way to make me stop using that ad yes. at all
0: yes it is yes it is
1: but i mean the app developer doesn't generally
0: have any control over what ads are being displayed he's just part of an ad network you know well he should pick a, a less shitty ad network, yes so. pick a less obtrusive or intrusive ad network so anyway, yeah, that's that's a thing that's coming to Edge, and I'd imagine if Edge is doing it, it's going to come to others as well. I, c- mm. I can't believe this isn't already a feature. Maybe it is in some way, but m- maybe they're making it easier. I don't know.
1: So yeah, autoplay. So long. Mm. We we won't miss you. Bye bye, autoplay. See you. Bye bye. Yeah. I never liked autoplay when you put it when you put a CD in a Windows machine. I always thought that was stupid.
0: Yeah, because that's the autoplay of of applications on CDs was also like a big security vulnerability at one point. People would put malware in the auto run directory uh, on a CD and then you'd plug it in. All of a sudden you'd be infected with malware. Mm. Kind of annoying because, you know, nobody can write a CD. Only trusted vendors can write CDs with autoplays on them, right?
1: That, that lasted maybe two weeks.
0: Yeah. That was one of the first things I would turn off. Like I had this checklist of things I would do to every Windows 95 machine when I would build it. Turning off auto auto run was one of them.
1: Yeah. Nowadays you just make an Ansible playbook, right? Or your or your template would have the settings, right? Right. You kidding me? You're going to install
0: Windows 95 with a template? I don't think that's even possible. Except Ghost. I you no. Could ghost I mean. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember Patrick Norton? Swayze? Remember Norton Ghost? Yeah. Right. That kind
1: of Ghost. I, Ghost was our recovery system at, at Merck for the desktops. Yep. Yeah, we used That's, it. Not even our recovery was how we imaged them.
0: We used it to image desktops when we were at uh, when I was at AccuFind.
1: Ghost. Yep.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can get through the rest of these without taking up too much time. Yeah. Unlikely, right? Uh, the next one is from Tom's Hardware. Um, Microsoft quietly releases its own Linux distro. So... You may be aware that Microsoft runs a cloud. And, um, you know, running Windows on a cloud might have sounded like a good idea at first, but let's face it, clouds it run on Linux. like a good idea. Yeah, right. Clouds run on Linux. So apparently Microsoft has their own Linux distro now. They're calling CBL-Mariner. Mariner? Um, released under the MIT license, open source MIT license. And uh, yeah, Linux. Uh, My- Microsoft has a Linux distribution now. So, so you know, Steve Ballmer is is probably having nightmares over this. You know, Mr. Linux is a cancer.
1: <laughs> so, this might Microsoft might have released this, but I, according to according to uh, some some inside baseball info that I have. Microsoft has at least a half a dozen internal Linux distributions, too, but they haven't released. Oh, I don't doubt it.
0: But this one's released now.
1: Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Working as intended. Right. Working as intended. Uh, I mean, uh, last time I was at Summit, uh, Microsoft CEO sat on the stage with Jim Whitehurst.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, they're a different company now than they were back in the Linux as a cancer back days. Back in Balmer. Yeah, yeah, back in Balmer. Totally time. different company. It's just, it's one of those things that when, you're, when you've are when you been around this industry like you and I have, you more than me, you remember the old Microsoft, right? And you I remember
1: like that he, this- I feel like he just called me old. No, I do remember.
0: Well, no, that's a that's a nod to your
1: experience, man. You've been in IT longer than me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, re- I remember. Yeah. yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. Back when when people thought that maybe uh, OS two would knock Windows off the throne, yeah, right, right, and Linux desktop, it was never going to happen.
0: <laughs> no, and it wasn't.
1: Uh, let's see here. I remember when Apple almost died more than once.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's something I didn't talk about in chat. You remember the the iMac, the educational iMac? Yeah. I managed to get my hands on one. I have a friend who used to work in IT for a high school and we were cleaning out his old house because he was putting it up on the market and it was just like laying there. He was going to throw it in the scrap pile and I'm like, sure, I'll take that thing. So it's in my basement. Some some folks are saying that if you clean this thing up, it's actually worth something. People actually want these because they were not available there to is, the general public.
1: There is a very interesting community of old computer hardware folk. Yeah. Think, like apple twos and old macintoshes and stuff like that there there's a community of folk who will buy that hardware yeah
0: so this thing is it's 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 the old imac frame if you remember the imac the fishbowl Macs. Macs. yeah 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 the bubbly ones. yeah what color is it it's white because it's an emac the emacs i think were all white maybe they weren't all white but this one's white
1: i think they defaulted those to white yeah
0: yeah so yeah, I'm gonna. It's it's basically dusty, and it smells a bit of mold because the house was basically abandoned for two or three years when when my friend's brother passed away. Um, so you know, which I think is why he wanted to just pitch everything because he didn't want to like it hurt. It hurt for him to be there in this house. Right, right. But anyway, you know, he wanted to just throw the thing away. I'm like, ah, oh, I'll, I'll take it. I also got a nice ice chipper. That's not here nor there, but that was another thing that was at the house that I got. <laughs> <That's> neither. <laughs> Ice chipper. <laughs> I need an
1: ice chipper. Mine broke last year. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it Apple or Android? The ice chipper. Oh uh, yeah, right. It's, oh, it's and a, a chess a set. They had a chess
0: set. It looks like it's meant to look like they're ivory chess pieces, but they're plastic. But it's st- like I don't care. It's not. I don't want it because it's like a collector's thing. I just wanted a chess set. I don't have one. So now I don't have a chess set. I got to learn how to play so chess. The,
1: yeah. So the ice chipper's for the doll. Yeah, right. the creepy doll. For when it, when it comes to life
0: and tries to kill us? Yes. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Anyway, the the rest of the articles. All right, so there's one. uh, This one's a little bit older. It's from July 17. The Ice Chipper. Yeah, the Ice Chipper. Get to the Chipper. Uh, Disable your Windows Print Spooler, or you could be hacked. Um, There may be a fix already for this, but there's apparently an exploit in the Windows Print Spooler. This is from TechSpot. Um, that, if you they run, fixed that shit
1: very quickly. Did they fix I it? Remember, I remember reading it, okay. and, and there was a security patch, I think, the same day.
0: Yeah, I, I saw it. Well, this is like the day before I left for vacation. And because right? I, so, I
1: have to have a printer, yeah, I, I patched it. July 17th, no. Was that?
0: I'm losing track of days. That's the day, that's the day I came back from vacation. I don't know. It's, anyway. Hey. Why don't you keep track of my schedule for me? Come on.
1: I have a of enough time keeping keep track of my schedule, are you kidding me? That's valid. That's valid.
0: Uh, so anyway, yeah, the Windows print spooler had a vulnerability. Maybe it's fixed already. If you've got Windows servers or systems in general, update them.
1: I mean, you should always freaking update Windows. You should update. You should at least set Windows to update automatically once a week. Yeah. Or check for updates once a week. Mine yep. does like it like at but o'clock in the morning on Wednesdays. Yep.
0: And this last one I've included just because I like NextCloud, because I like what they stand for and I like what uh, what they do. But there's a new release mm-hmm. of NextCloud Talk, which is a um, video conferencing add-on for NextCloud. If you don't know what NextCloud is, I'm not going to go too deep mm-hmm. into it, but it's basically a private uh, Google Docs almost that you can host yourself and host files. Ah. In. Oh, okay. They have a bunch of other extensions like NextCloud Talk, which is a conferencing software Completely self-hosted, which is kind of cool. You can self-host this. I run my own on a DigitalOcean droplet. I put some... I mainly used it for photo sharing. But um, I have tinkered with uh, NextCloud Talk. And it's pretty cool. But there's a new release. It's got Outlook integration, which is kind of cool. I want... Look out! I want to see NextCloud succeed. Um, because I like the fact that it's self hosted, essentially, self-hosted Google Docs. The problem is, like with many self-hosted solutions, it's not quite there.
1: And it requires too much expertise. It does. And a lot of people just don't want to go through right. the pain in the So yes I,
0: it... I want to see it succeed so that it gets the momentum that it needs to be a actual replacement for Google Docs. Because I would like it to be a replacement for Google Docs and I would like everyone to be able to benefit from that. Although I know a lot of people just don't care. They're just going to use Google Docs because it's there and they can just fire up the app on their phone and off they go. Uh, But that's just me, you know. I've had the same opinion since like the late 90s when I got into Linux. I want people to have the power to do this stuff on their own if they want to. And even for someone like me who can do it themselves because they have the expertise, it's still a pain in the ass. And that's unfortunate. I don't know. I didn't want to, I didn't mean to go off on a diatribe there. But is it's diatribe funny. the right word? I think it is. Sure. <laughs> it, it's
1: close. Yeah.
0: Okay. So anyway, that's all the news ahead for tonight. Did you have anything you wanted to bring up tonight, Mark? No. You look like you talked about
1: Akamai. You look like you're getting tired. I am tired. I'm. I. I'm a little
0: tired. I have a podcast to edit after this. Knife,
1: better you than me. Better, <laughs> little Star Wars callback there, right? Better her than me. <laughs> She's rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: All right, so let's see here. Let me get to the. I'm supposed to read the the closing stuff here, aren't I? I mean, I do. I really I, have to. I mean, everyone knows,
1: right? <laughs> find us on live journal find us on live space
0: well folks this is the end all right so thank you folks for watching live if you watched live if you're listening to the show thanks for listening all the kisses after the fact mm-hmm. yes thank you to all of you thank you to our patrons for being patrons uh if you want to watch us live you can do so on twitch or youtube uh, on the second and fourth Thursday. And even Facebook. Roughly. If you can
1: tolerate Mark even, Zuckerberg's ugly Android face. Even
0: Facebook. Nobody watches from Facebook, by the way. I don't even know why I bother to keep doing it, but I do.
1: You're stubborn. Yep.
0: You can find us on on socials, the on the Facebook and the Twitter. Uh, just look for the Iron System Podcast. You can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash ironsystemin. Go to Ironsisman.com to find all the crap I just talked about or to join our Discord community if you'd like to.
1: Discord.
0: Did I say it right? No, I said I, it I wrong.
1: Think it a, I think did was gonna give you a pass. I'm gonna put I'm a little tired I'm gonna
0: try to put no emphasis on either of the syllables and see what you do. Discard. Discard. Discord. It's discard. Discard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's no emphasis, but it's funny. <laughs> uh, Discord!
0: Right. So I think that's everything, folks. Thanks for watching, listening, or whatever the hell you're doing. And I guess we'll catch you next time. As Getty Lee would say,
1: thank you very much. Good night. In a very shrieky voice. Is that how that?
0: Okay. Something like I can't do Getty Lee. I gotta find the show's over page here. Here it is. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time.